0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a kind of landmark episode. This is episode 20 of Nothing to Fear. My name is Billy Schultz. I am your host. And I am joined, as always, by my two good friends, Luke Mason. Hello. Haseo. There he is. And Alex Wan, also hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are we doing today,
1: folks? Great. I'm excited for today. Yeah, I've been excited all the way down to my (laughs) genes. for today's episode jeez, uh, <laughs>
2: yeah yeah i i remember um i i was talking to someone last week what was her name Dana? but it was like one less letter right her
1: name was dna i don't get any Wait, of these jokes her yet. name was deoxyribonucleic acid yeah, yeah. it's greek
0: <laughs> wow
1: it was I... a mouthful <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. This is it, friends. This is potentially the last episode ever of Nothing to Fear, where I get so scared because we are watching Hereditary today. And while I know nothing about this movie, every time I've talked to people in the past week about what are you watching next for the podcast, and I say, oh, we're watching Hereditary this week, they all go... (sighs) that's gonna be scary and so i am already like eight out of tens freaked out and i know it's because my imagination is trying to conceive of what will be happening during this movie and the anticipation of everybody saying it's so scary so i kind of hope that my my expectations aren't too high but yeah i'm nervous for this one well
2: wouldn't it be a great thing if like your expectations were so high that when you came back you're like you know what it wasn't that scary
0: what if I came back and I was like, hey, there's uh, nothing to fear? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> there is a 0% chance you won't be scared by this movie. Oh, yeah. Think, <laughs> yeah, you know me well by right now. I think, I mean, I, I've seen Hereditary before, and it uh, of the 19 previous, if if we were to vote even before we watched any of them, I'd yeah. be like, oh, that one will be the scariest one. Okay, <laughs> so. okay.
0: So well, so far, the record is held by uh, the yeah. record. <laughs> 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 Good one, Billy. <laughs> Also, for Danae, Parks and Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rec was the scariest one to date for me. And actually, before we get into Hereditary, and definitely not because I'm trying to postpone the inevitable at all, I wanted to ask, just sort of look back again as we're at another Milestone episode, how are you finding the horror franchise? How are you getting more into it? What are our, our thoughts? You know, we checked in at episode 10 before we did Sinister, if you heard that episode, great. If not, you can go back and download it wherever you find podcasts. But how are we? How are we liking horror? Twenty movies in. Who wants to Who wants to jump in and start? I'll go first. Alex um, is going first. Yeah,
2: it's been the worst experience of my life. <laughs> I hate being here every week. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. you see what I did?
0: I, it's like oh. a little, little,
1: little
2: movie twist.
0: Uh, anyway, episode <laughs> little, little podcast. Episode twenty one is just Billy and Luke. <laughs> Alex <Yeah>. is gone. <laughs>
1: And then our, our uh, ratings go way down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, one one star, one, one star, one star, one star. It's just because Alex
0: is making yeah, emails so. and yeah. 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 Where
1: there's a will, there's a way. <laughs>
2: anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. Starting this and even kind of reflecting on episode 10, I was like, I, I'm starting to like the horror genre a bit more. And I think the whole time previous, like before starting this podcast, I always thought of horror movies as being bad movies, which... Can be true, but I think we're, we've done a pretty good job. Often is true. Often, often is true, but I kind of put that blanket statement over all of it and like kind of reflecting over the movies that, like the really good movies that we have watched and kind of understanding a little bit more of what I enjoy about horror movies. I've been in, I've been like the genre more. And I, like, like I said, I, I look forward to being here every week. You know, I think talking about it immediately afterward is what makes horror movies really enjoyable for me. So. I think if it was just to watch a movie and then just leave it like a horror movie and leave it at that, I'd like it less, but being yeah. able to kind of reflect on it and, you know, rationalize our
1: fears immediately afterward, it makes it, makes it really fun and I'm liking it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, podcasting has been my saving grace mentally throughout this COVID time. Mm-hmm. And so again, like you just put in a totally different mental state when you're going to have to talk about a movie and joke about it, but then also analyze it. There's a great line from Nietzsche where he says, to truly analyze something, you must have fully and thoroughly laughed at it first. Oh, <laughs> and I just yeah. think it, it applies so perfectly to this podcast. And even just like- Other the way, facets of the our way life. The three of us are even together. It's like, okay, we laugh at each other's idiotness and shitheadedness. <laughs> and then that paves the way for us to actually kind of like say something uh, with a modicum of seriousness about- Sometimes we movie, make right. a
0: halfway cogent point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Halfway is uh, Zeno. Well, Zeno would be proud. <laughs> there's, a, there's a dirty joke, there, of course. So I would say my observation on the genre of horror is I, I actually see a very similar parallel to, the, to horror movies as I do to television in general, which is it used to suck and now it sucks a lot less. <laughs> okay. Right? Like there were some great TV shows from the 60s and 70s and 80s, but not that many. I would say. Sure. Right. And now we're in the golden age of television. There were some good horror movies from the 60s, 70s, 80s, but not that many. Right. And there's way more good ones now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like part of that. I think the evolution of TV makers into our era now, I feel like, oh, we don't actually have to make a TV show that is so stupid that no one will believe it. <laughs> right. Like we can make sophisticated, long form TV shows, we can make sophisticated, uh, uh, horror movies. Today's movie will be an incredibly good example of yeah. that. <laughs> that is both still scary, but not leaving your audience with just like, oh, there's the tropes again, <laughs> kind of thing. Less jump scare and more like get into your brain and yeah. be like, you're unsettled. Or like as simple as making a movie that is sincerely scary and yet the characters don't make dumbass decisions the whole time. They make decisions where you're like, oh, okay, that could be something like insidious is a good example of this, which I would, it's a modern, it was 10 years ago, but that's still pretty modern. Like, oh, this, all this shit is happening in our house. I guess we'll move Mm -hmm. (laughs) as opposed to like, get over it. Oh shit. Get over it. Oh shit. Oh, I'm just going to run into the tree house instead. You know? that was that was yeah i remember when
0: when we watched insidious just having the thought of every time i was annoyed and that was even at like episode four of this podcast was when we did insidious like a thousand years ago might as well have been but me being like i've seen very few horror movies now and even i'm already like okay i know what the tropes are and so when i was like at the point in insidious where i was like okay you gotta move like why don't people just move and then you know she's like i think we should move it's like you did it Mm -hmm. you did the
1: thing (laughs) yeah and that kind of shit is what keeps your suspension of disbelief going better yeah you know movie in general and so my bias obviously as anyone can tell is towards modern film and cinema and television and i think horror is no exception there so that's kind of been one of the things i've been thinking about a little bit lately it's like Mm -hmm. and the fact i'm pretty sure hereditary came out 2018 2017 or 2018, 2018. It's super recent. Yeah, so it's like, okay, this is the center of the bullseye of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, and I'm like very grateful, Billy, for your idea of starting this podcast. Oh, it's thanks. been a big, big boon in my life, and it's nice to have a podcast I'm on where I don't do all the editing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really love it. <laughs> I just record and then get the finished product like, like a month later. Yeah. It's wonderful. So yeah, thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for no having course. this idea. And yeah, I I like horror a little bit more than I used to. Mm-hmm. Not a lot but i love this podcast yeah
0: i think definitely if i wasn't doing a podcast about it and i wasn't getting you know good feedback and i wasn't having a fun time i would still not be interested in horror movies but but now like that i'm watching them and you know living through some of the ones that that were like oh my god i can't watch that one it's too scary like the babadook i could oh no i could never watch that it's way too freaky and watching through it and talking through it, like you said, Alex, we debrief and we kind of process everything. And it's a little bit like therapy in a way, like cheaper therapy. And, you know, and I think now that I, I've rewritten some of the codes in my brain to be like, ooh, I'm excited because I'm going to watch this movie and then I'm going to talk about it. And it's going to be fun in a way. And I, I'm kind of, you know, looking forward to horror movies now. And the more I get into it, the more I'm excited to experience this genre and like like you said alex you know you 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 didn't like horror movies at the start because you just like some of them are bad but you're like all of them are bad that'd be like saying you know as an example like oh i don't like broccoli because i had it cooked one way Mm -hmm. that was bad and that's now i hate broccoli forever but there's so many different ways to prepare it that like sure you might not like certain dishes but you know you roast that shit in the oven with some garlic butter then you're golden you mix anything with garlic butter, it's good. It's great. Yeah. Right? But, like, yeah, it's like, you know, you can't write off a whole genre because, like, one or two movies kind of sucks. Or six or, or, six, seven, or seven or
1: 25 <laughs> or 100. So look, watch your horror movies and eat your veggies, kids. Yes, eat your veggies. They're good. I would say something future-oriented, though, that I've really enjoyed is that there are lots of people in the world who are love horror movies, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is a beyond cult kind of – like, it's just its own – it's a massive genre, and there's so many people who are, like, huge fans of it. And I love that the three of us are kind of, like, prepping ourselves passively for better future conversations with mm-hmm. other people who like horror movies, right? Yeah. We're just going to be way more competent with uh, more tools in our kit to talk about the ins and outs of the movies that other people love, which is fun. Competent, eh? Yeah, competent <laughs> is, a, is a loose word. But I, I'm
0: totally, like, I'm totally on board of this sort of ramshackle way of doing something, like you know, before or or in the nineties, it was like, if you're not an expert in something like, don't even bother, you're going to get made fun of. And it totally takes out the whole like experience of being a beginner in something. And that's kind of what I like about us being horror neophytes is like, yeah, we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. It's messy. I didn't know how to edit a podcast. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Right. You know,
0: in May when we started this and a lot of people would probably argue that I still don't, (laughs) but I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. And, you know, just like, just like not being afraid to to do it until I kind of have it be not bad, but just like, this is authentic and dirty and amateurish and we're going to get a little bit better. And like having that conversation with horror fans, there's, you know, In any fandom, there's a lot of gatekeeping where it's like, oh, you like X thing? Well, name every single like person in or you're not a real fan. And that's so toxic. And I like just being like, well, you know, who's this Michael Myers fellow? He seems interesting. That's
1: Halloween. Season of the Witch. Game over, bitches. <laughs> Big money. Yeah. Easy game. So in a way. No, we're you... still
0: Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>
2: in a way, you could say that the title of this podcast could be applied to everything in your life. Absolutely. Is that the metaphor here? <laughs> yeah. You want to start a podcast? Do it. There's nothing to fear. Just Cut! do it. Hey, you want to run a marathon? Do it. There's nothing to fear. Unless, you know, you have like severe. I think, yeah, there's like part. <laughs> Problems like to try something. I need about
1: fifteen or sixteen more examples here, Alex, before I can get, get it. Hey, you wanna you wanna learn
2: how to make tiramisu? Do it. There's nothing to That's fear. Not. <laughs> okay,
1: all right. So it's good. Three. To do it. It's in the kitchen too.
2: Hey, you wanna learn how to take long form radar photos? Just try it out. There's nothing to fear. Four. Hey.
1: Okay, it's good. For hey, you wanna fly to
2: the moon? Try it. There's nothing to fear. Five. Okay, so
1: astrophysics. All right, I'm I'm running out of ideas okay. here. <laughs> well, I think I can put. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay. So honestly. You know, not to get overly personal, although we sometimes do it in there. Like for me, nothing I have done in the last two years has been scarier than taking the initial steps to come out and be myself. So in that sense, like, yeah, this is just a movie. There's nothing to fear because I already did the scariest thing I could have ever done. Mm. And so, you know, that's like a certain type of armor to just be Mm. like. Yeah. okay well i did that and i survived so what else you got world yeah.
1: like bring it on <laughs> what you got season of the witch <laughs> bring yeah. it Pod- podcasts are easy at that point it's so easy yeah. and
0: just like not being afraid to to put yourself out there and you know worry that uh, what other people are gonna think but to get back to like horror movies and in your point mm. luke about getting involved with like people who are fans of horror movies another little subset that i'm finding with this podcast is people who are like us and don't like horror movies oh the okay. people who are like i can't watch horror movies i don't like watching horror movies but i listen to your podcast because i get facts and i get insights and i kind of feel like i'm participating in a sort of tacit way and i love that as well to be like okay yeah there's like awesome things and maybe if a couple of people end up watching like a movie or two like cool great if not then you have you know, something to spend, like some cultural cap, uh, cultural capital to spend mm-hmm. in a conversation. Yeah. And so that's what I really like about doing this and being part of this and just yeah, every because week.
1: It's, I love doing things that are a good in themselves and are a potential good for the future. You know, like that's kind of a good way to put it is when I'm teaching kids how to play chess and I'm no chess master, but I usually like the general heuristic I use with them is like always try to be doing two things with your move. So either like move the piece that puts their king in check, but also simultaneously protects your queen kind of thing, right? Like obviously chess masters can do things that are doing 17 things at once kind of thing, right? But it's like my brain can usually get to two. (laughs) <laughs> and if you're doing two things, so it's like, do something that's good for now and could be good for the future because you don't know what kind of person you might come across at some point that loves Insidious or loves yeah. the thing. Like, that's their the thing, you know? And then, like, we just have, oh, okay, I intentionally worked on that at this point earlier in my life, and now I have something. It's how I feel about books yeah. in general. Yeah. It's like, I love reading great books because they're good in themselves, and maybe one day I'll have a good conversation about them.
0: Yeah, you just put that in your back pocket, and you can be like, oh, cool. But also
2: I, like just one more thing that I wanted to add is I think the ability to you know not know for sure but the feeling that you know if someone's listening to this and they smile for like 5 seconds from something that we say I think that's totally worth it. I shoot for two. You shoot for two <laughs> smiles?
0: I do love the the thought is very sentimental and I do I do like the the fact that some people enjoy this obviously enough people do that they download it every week and thank you very much. But hereditary Mm -hmm. i think there's no more avoiding (laughs) what's to come if well if i die then this podcast never gets released (laughs) and you're stuck not hearing even any of the oh no the halloween episode will come out because it's already uploaded but after that so if you're hearing this i didn't die (laughs) but i'm about to go watch it so
1: should we do this yeah do we have any uh yeah so like I've seen it twice, Alex has seen it once, and Billy's seen it zero times, so this is a perfect little stairway, I guess. (laughs) Stairway to terror. (laughs) Sorry, Robert Plant. Yeah, so you know nothing about it, Billy.
2: Just nothing. No,
0: and I have deliberately not looked at a trailer, not read any synopsis, and every single molecule of my being is like, just go to Ask Jeeves and find out what they're talking about.
2: No, I think you did the right thing.
1: Well, I think... So obviously we won't talk any spoilers in this section for no. your sake as well as I guess listeners, but I feel like Tony Collette's performance in this movie is like like a top fifty performance I've ever seen in a movie. And so I would say probably the best performance I've ever seen in a horror movie, she's, for sure. She's very good. She's in this. like yeah. I was like I don't understand how they didn't just immediately give her the Oscar. For lead actress in a like film. Like they just cut the film <laughs> yeah, and like, somebody was there on the side of the stage like, being like, go. this is this real." Yeah, no one like, else is going to come close. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. So she is just mind blowingly good in this movie. And she's an actress I love anyway. And she's been in so many other movies I love and especially little Miss sunshine. Yeah. So to see her do this in a movie like this, I'm like, Whoa, it, unbelievably impressive.
0: There's something I'm taking into this movie. That I, I heard on actually a different horror movie podcast, which didn't last as long as ours, but kind of started around the same time we had this idea. It's like the Scaredy Cats horror podcast or something. And that one ended after like six episodes. But they did that where it was the same similar premise. A guy was too afraid to watch horror movies. So his friend tried to bully him into watching horror movies. And I think they got up to get out. But one of the things that they said to, that helped him he was like okay so while the movie's happening just remember that when this was being filmed on the other side is a person with the camera and a guy with a boom mic and craft services table and so like they're in like a <laughs> set and at, at some point someone said cut and they like, walked off stage and like, sat in their trailer and like chilled out and so i like, think i'm gonna cling to that mm. just remember that okay they made
1: this movie not in the real world. So, since I've seen this movie, I'm not going to make a prediction about the movie, but I'm going to p- make a prediction about you. Oh, God. <laughs> okay? So, my prediction is, it's pretty simple. I'm going to make it a I lot more. I think this movies. movie will scare the shit out of you. Okay. And then you're going to love talking about it after. Yeah. Because it's a fucking awesome movie. And the reveals <sighs> and the way, when you think about it retro, like, reflectively, you're like, it's there's no such thing as a perfect movie, but this is close. Oh, I, my I would gosh. Say,
0: I am, so. like, n- terrified and excited. Like, I'm ready I'm ready to do it any last thoughts alex before we go up and watch this thing i think we should just do it you know okay. just rip the mandate off let's go let's do it before we go though yes luke you mentioned we're gonna no spoilers now but we will be spoiling it after so if you want to watch it ahead of time please do and if you are nervous about triggers check out does the dog Die.com for your your trigger warning website i don't know what they are and i don't have any triggers but i am still worried there <laughs> so, are so many. So a lot of triggers in this one. If you're very, very squeamish, I'd say probably check it out. What do you think? Yeah?
1: Yeah. Good idea. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, or be surprised as I am about to be. So Woo. we will be back after the trailer.
1: Come on, Peter. It's is soon.
3: I recognize you from your mother.
0: What? Sometimes, I swear, I can feel them in the room.
3: Oh, my God! What's that? She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die. And she wasn't altogether there. (laughs) At the end. don't want to put any more stress on my family
0: 13 and that's hereditary (laughs) that's hereditary that's hereditary hereditary. oh podcast over that was great really good movie good good movie yeah
1: yeah good so i'm cheering about (laughs) you can follow us on yeah and bye thank you for listening (laughs)
0: See you next week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We watch a movie. No. Damn. Wow. Okay. I friends. We just finished watching this movie and I don't have my thoughts in order. And I don't think I would be able to get my thoughts in order (laughs) if I went home and thought about it for a solid week before recording this half. So someone else start with their first thoughts. Well, I'll admit the first
1: time I watched it, I watched a YouTube video after like ending (laughs) of hereditary explained. That's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Makes sense now.
0: Speaking of endings or things, we'll, we'll talk about Wikipedia. Oh, yes. our I favorite should, Wikipedia site. Read yeah, I guess the You want me to See, read it? Alex, I want you to read it because you're probably faster on the... All right, I got it all the googlings hereditary is a
2: 2018 american horror tragedy film written and directed by ari aster in his feature film directorial debut it stars tony collette alex wolf millie shapiro and gabriel byrne as a family haunted by a mysterious presence after the death of their secretive grandmother
0: yep that's hereditary and that's Hereditary, (laughs) and that's literally the tip of that iceberg Mm -hmm. because this movie just the tip (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: did Good. you
0: okay so my question is yeah
2: did you know about that kind of synopsis like did you know that that was what it was about? no i didn't like oh. i
0: said i didn't look up anything okay so you i didn't know, know if it was gonna be demons demon. or ghosts or witches or aliens and if you had asked me to pick one i don't think i would have ended up picking a demonic king worshiping cult but <laughs> yeah there's there not a lot are. of those out there hey well, I guess there's at least eight, if if this movie is to be believed, because the demon king they resurrect is one of the eight kings of hell. So. Yeah. Yep. There's so, at least
1: eight separate ones. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, I will say, as a, as a kind of like first broad strokes perspective on this movie, obviously watching it now the third time, I knew everything what was happening, and so I was kind of enjoying knowing it and enjoying your reactions to it. But the first time I watched this movie... I remember thinking very strongly at the end, I love that this is a movie that I thought was going to be all in her head but was actually in the world because <laughs> yeah. it's that's such a switch from the oh the the big reveal is it's all in your head, right? It's like the opposite of a beautiful mind kind of thing. So mm. when I'm watch when I watched Ready to you the first time I'm about halfway through I'm like, "Oh, I wonder if this is going to be an unreliable narrator movie." yeah, Right? Like we're we're kind of more or less getting Annie aka Tony Collette's perspective and she's kind of losing it and I wonder if we're not supposed to trust some of the things happening because she's an unreliable narrator as a protagonist kind of thing it's almost like the movie is gaslighting us yeah into thinking it's and all in our head the twist is that the movie is actually a reliable narrator yeah a very <laughs> reliable narrator and of a horrible thing I loved that because it played on my preconception of what I know movies try to do, which is like, oh, it's in the world, it's in the world, joke, psych, it's in your head. Yeah, right? I definitely thought that. Whereas in this movie, it's like, it's in her head, it's in her head, it's in her head, psych, it's in the world. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. I, and I liked that I a think,
2: lot. Yeah, I think a way that a scene that kind of reinforces that it's in her head happened right at the start of the movie when she's like looking through her her, her mom's box of things and you see like the old lady oh, God, yeah. in the darkness. like. Yep just for a split, like, and then she turns on the light and it's gone. So at that point you're kind of like, Oh, something's wrong with her mind. So like that, that's a good way of kind of getting a first time. And she's like
1: sincerely it. stressed out and sad and grieving. Yeah. Right. Just two major deaths in her family back to back.
0: But also a history of horrible deaths. Like she talks in her, there's a scene early on where she goes to like a, sounds like it's like a, a grief support group. And she talks about how her father died by starving himself to death
1: and her brother was her brother yeah hung himself also died by suicide well i will talk about that more later because that's actually super important to the cult aspect of Of course yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. 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 i i and i'm sure i I didn't pick up on that but like anyway cult aside cult or no cult (laughs) that much loss (laughs) is going to affect you a lot and then like it probably would bring up you know obviously these these deaths happened when she was a bit younger And so maybe she repressed them, but I guess like you know, if her mother died later, it probably brought all that back up, that trauma back up, and then so she had that, and then she had uh, very quickly more and more deaths in the family until the Mm. end of it. So, um, yeah, for me, do you
1: do you like it? I I think I did, (laughs) Um,
0: but for me, like yeah, not knowing anything about it, it was just like the movie started me at being tense and being on edge. And then it just drew that out until the very end, all two hours and seven minutes of this was just like one long nerve being stretched. And I think the, before we're talking to specifics and going more broadly right now, I think the soundtrack really did a lot to help. So there's really long drawn out single notes, you know, single like violin string notes, just creaking and going along, 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 very long and droney. And it just felt like your nerve was just literally your nerve was being plucked for the whole time and you're just like stop doing that it's tensing me up i'm freaking out and then it ends with a fun like carol king song (laughs)
1: yeah it was a fun song at the end yeah (laughs) i agree the the soundtrack and the i guess i don't even know if you'd call it the soundtrack because it was more just like the sound it sounds maybe yeah it wasn't even music it was yeah, it was lots like of drones, droning in, lots of yeah.
0: repeated plinky plonkies. That's
1: music. I think it's music. That's music. Yeah, sure, but it's it's enough different from what you might expect from music. So like you would still differentiate it. As you wouldn't like
0: watch that. somebody play this. You wouldn't go to like the <laughs> hall and be like, oh, they're playing the score from Hereditary. Amazing! Like you're gonna go see you know, the 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 Calgary Simf- Philharmonic Orchestra.
1: If you're in, like, the 99.9th percentile of pretentious, you might.
0: I mean, maybe, but you're not going to... Like, if it was, like, okay, they're putting on Hereditary or the Star Wars soundtrack, right. you'd be like, okay, I know what one I want to hear <laughs> yeah. live. I don't really want to go in and hear, like, some weird droney, you know, yeah. theory of mind piece or something.
1: Yeah, but it definitely adds to the tension.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first viewing
2: was... I very, I was very scared, and I was a little bit confused at the end. So, kind of just like Luke, I went home and I like, ending of hereditary. Explain, please, tell me. <laughs> and then the second viewing, I really, really focused on as many details as I could have because, okay. like, I knew the general plot and I understood like why everything happened, but I wanted to see, like, oh, is there stuff that you can catch ahead of time? And there definitely was a ton of that. Oh, God, was there? a lot of stuff made even more sense after Uh. after the second watching. So, yeah, my uh, recommendation is watch it again, Billy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's... I, I think, like, there's just so many clues that I think when watching it this very first time, again, like, not knowing anything, I was aware enough to be like, okay, they are laying a breadcrumb, but I'm looking at this breadcrumb not knowing what loaf it came from, I guess you could say, you know, it's just like, oh, a breadcrumb. I don't know where this goes. Mm. You're just finding these sporadic ones. Like there's very clear scenes of, there's this tree house on the property that they live in this big acreage. And there's this tree house. And a lot of times there's like a red light in the window. And the first time you see it, it's like, oh, that's really spooky. Why is there a red light? A red light's, Oh, it's just a heat, like a space heater that they have up there because it's cold in this, un, you know, insulated thing. And then like later on, it's an
1: orange light yeah but then it's also still a little uncanny because i don't know any space heater that's that bright mm-hmm. and illuminates that much yeah so you're like Real bright. wait a minute but it's still like okay red i'm nervous oh it's a space heater yeah. i can get i can get behind that and then when it's like a different color you're like okay something's up every single part of this movie is on purpose not even every scene that just that isn't even detailed enough like every facial tick of every character is on purpose. Every line, every conversation, every expositional detail. Mm-hmm. This is maybe, this is like the least sloppy movie I've ever seen. It's very, it's very tight. It's so, yeah. yeah. There, there isn't, I don't, I, I would have to talk to someone who knows a lot more about it than I do, but I didn't, there's third viewing. I didn't see a single mistake. Wow. And, awesome. And just the way it was done is like no mistakes and so many little Easter eggs along the way for the, the, plot twist right so yeah i was i just i loved how clean it was
0: yeah yeah well should we get into kind of go go plot rundown and discuss points as they happen yeah Yeah. let's do it sure (gasps) so the movie opens up with this obituary of a an older woman who's passed away Uh, her name was ellen i think Mm -hmm. and we find out that very quickly it's Tony Collette who's playing this woman named Annie that's it's her mother who's died. So they're at the funeral. We see a scene of the opening credits kind of work in this dollhouse motif where it's you know uh, or a miniature where it's like a scale model of a house and we see the rooms and it zooms in really cool into the into the room and then that is the actual room where one of the main characters is sleeping and it's like okay get up time to go put your you know suit on we got to go to this funeral. How cool is that? It's such a cool scene, and then like that scene sets you up to think like every single other shot of a house or school or you know attic space could be one of those miniature rooms. Like, and I love that comment you made. Pretty much, very
2: right at the start, you're like, "Is this a Wes Anderson movie?" Because it felt very Wes Andersony with like the camera panning left to right and you know characters entering very symmetrical like like a storybook kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah very
0: stage like like if Mm -hmm. you're
2: on a stage yeah and that kind of like it plays in so well with the film itself like the actual substance of the film because you line you learn that annie is an artist who makes these scale miniatures of rooms and a lot of it is stuff in her own life Mm -hmm. you know like you see her building one of the a hospice of you know where her mother was you see the rooms of her own house and all that stuff so i just thought and every shot was so cool like that and in every exterior shot it made it look like it was kind of like one of those dollhouse diorama miniatures as well
0: yeah even like the the shots of the house in the forest it looks like you know you could zoom out a little bit farther and see that was made inside a nike shoebox yeah yeah for like (laughs) you know a book report but like a real good one but (laughs) (laughs) it was very diorama rama and so we, we
1: really get... Which also sets up the uh, uncanny nature of a lot of the feel of the movie. Yeah. Right? Like when it pans into a dollhouse that is actually the scene start of the movie, there's a lot There's a lot of uncanniness that that's setting you up for. Mm-hmm. In... You're like, what's real? What's imagined? Yeah. Are these people like mm-hmm. playthings somehow? And this is ahead of it, but I loved how many kind of normal conversations there were in this movie that felt uncanny because of how they set the movie up. Mm, yeah right absolutely. like when, the, when there's like a kind of almost normal conversation between Annie and Peter I'm like what <laughs> this is really out of tone with the rest of the movie and obviously that was important so we get through this like funeral scene we get introduced to
0: Annie and her husband Steve and they have two kids named Peter and Charlie and Charlie and Peter are both in their teens Peter is about 16 17 Charlie is younger she's 13 and uh there's like creepy stuff there's there's you know charlie is a a kid in a horror movie who draws creepy pictures there's a necklace that you know annie's mom is wearing that's like don't worry this is just super duper significant but don't worry about it like Mm -hmm. it's it's a very prominent shot where you're like okay pay attention to this and even i picked
1: up on that break well and that funeral scene probably obviously now is quite important once you know the end of the movie
0: Mm, yeah, because yeah. she's like, it's so nice to see all these strange people here. I don't
1: really know any of these people. And these are all obviously people in her cult. Yeah, and yeah, yeah
2: so kind of the second viewing. I I, kn- I remember the first viewing in the funeral when Charlie's like next to the casket and you see it kind of zooms it focuses on the background and there's that really weird creepy guy that just smiles. Oh. Did you
0: miss that? I missed the guy smiling because I think I was focusing on the casket, but oh. I can totally tip. But yeah, there's, there's a, a weird
2: gr- creepy guy smiling and you know that is that guy comes back later in the film, oh. which I was like, oh, that like I would I didn't notice that the first time, but oh. since I knew to look for that face,
1: like yeah, I that, noticed it at the second. The creepy time. guy smiling at the funeral at Charlie, aka Payman is right. the first naked dude, dude naked person we see in the house that peter sees yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. in the, in the doorway room. yeah
0: yeah that creepy just chilling out yeah, yeah. and That's it's, the, the, same, it's the same
2: guy the same creepy smile
0: and kind of back to what
2: luke said about this movie having no mistakes and being so tight it was right right away in the funeral when charlie pulls out a chocolate bar and starts eating it dad's just like there, there aren't any nuts in that all right?" yeah and like just that simple like Five word sentence is so important. It sets up so much. There's no, there's no useless dialogue in this movie. Everything
1: is meant to be, and it feels like it wasn't wasted. Because there's, there's a, there's not a ton, but there's enough exposition in the first act of this movie to make it very plausible that we're just watching a mental health movie. Yeah, we're absolutely. watching, we're watching the unraveling of a mom with legitimate reason mm. for her mental health perspective, right? Mm. And just little things like, oh, Charlie is allergic to nuts so when she has this kind of allergic reaction at the party it makes sense like we're just we've been primed Mm. appropriately and from a storytelling perspective perfectly to not think that there's something else going on here Mm. and it's so normal it's like it's what a father and a mother who has
2: like a child that is anaphylactic to and it's even
1: deeper because it shows The problems with the family, because why the fuck don't they have their EpiPen there?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You like, should have your EpiPen with yeah. you at all times. Like
1: it's it's just more evidence that they're kind of out of sync about something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Wow. So it's like holy shit, that is that's like three layers of storytelling in in five words. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's very there's yeah
0: there's not a wasted you know period there's not a wasted semicolon in this script and it's all another it's super super tight yeah another great example is the scene immediately after when they get home and they get a
2: phone call and it's the cemetery calling and you know Peter or Steve the dad picks up the phone and he's talking and you don't actually know what happened until like probably closer to the end but then that just little phone call where it's just like in any
1: other movie you're like oh like it's just someone talking on the phone sorry that reminded me another thing of why this movie's awesome so there are there are scenes like that that's a good example where there's like one or two words that have huge plot ramifications that are just kind of like desecrated, mm. right? Yeah, That's just the like, only what clue desecrated? we get that yeah. that, well, that whole thing was about and then that payoff of the plot way later is so huge. And so even there, there's a number of times where it's like one word or one sentence or even just one visual, right, w- which has huge implications to the story that feels kind of part of this. It's almost like there's two movies happening, the mental health kind of family dynamic and grief, and all that, uh-huh. and then the undercurrent of all of this is the cult activity that's happening to be going on at the same time, and everything that happens with the family is in line with the mental health family dissolution movie, and yet, also, in retrospect, perfectly in line with the undercurrent cult mm-hmm. story, which is, again... Well, and then I made a note later on that, like, once,
0: you know, they bury Annie's mom, when they inter her, we get that line about the grave being desecrated, and then they don't talk about her for, like an hour it is gone and i even wrote a note a few pages in when are we gonna find out what happened to grandma and like when is that gonna come back because they're not gonna leave that dangling
1: and it would be really annoying remember that did. scene where steve and and peter walk into the house and like what's that smell yeah i remember. don't talk about that yeah i remember they, she- they mention it twice yep and then they don't talk about it. But at that point, we must know like, that's when the body is up in the attic, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get there. We'll get <laughs> Sorry, there. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll that's get just there. another example of that. Like, yeah. one or two words dangling. Oh, wait.
0: Yeah, that was actually just,
1: hugely relevant. We should have paid more attention to yeah. this
0: thing. Yeah. And it, and it just, again, speaks to the mom is dealing with some trauma and she's not present. And it's very much like the mom in the Bab- Babadook at the first bit where, you know, she's depressed. She's not paying attention. She's spacing out and not aware of what's going on around her. But in this case, it's not a metaphor for depression, but rather there's like a demon cult. I mean, it might be a metaphor for depression, but it's a literal thing of cults. Yeah, it wasn't even a
1: metaphor. (laughs) She was just clearly depressed and grieving. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. (laughs) But yeah, then they get home and, and we see that scene where Annie's unpacking the books and she looks in the corner and she sees her mom standing there and then i thought that was really cool because usually in a horror movie if you know you see a ghost standing there it would cut back to the person and they'd be like <gasps> they'd have a reaction shot and then it would cut back to the corner and it'd be gone but we see her turn the light off and it's just like the image disappears right in front of our very eyes with no like cut in between obviously they cut the film once the shot, is, the cut shot cut cut. is cut but the, there's no angle cut there's no angle or anything right. yeah yeah so uh, that was really cool, and they did a, they do a couple things like that, going from night to day. It's literally just like light switch, and then again enhancing the diorama etherealness of the exterior shots, and where it's like nighttime, and then the light is on, and it's full day. There's no like sunrise.
1: Artistically mirrored in the oh, right, yeah. like that's the visual version of that sound. Yeah, it's right. like, Totally, something changed. Right. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that tongue clicking thing was just like. Ah! I, I know how to creep you out for the next while. Oh, God. Just sitting around. <laughs> Who, Billy, did you do that? <laughs> oh, don't gaslight me. That's not nice <laughs> to do to your friends. <laughs> well, it, it's fluorescent, I think.
0: Oh my gosh. Incandescent, not fluorescent. So, so, so the plot uh, advances. We go to see Charlie in the school and there's a very tense scene where, where again, it's leading us down this little rabbit hole of creepy kid in a horror movie and she's in school and this a bird flies and hits the window. And you can kind of see it splatter on the window. And it's really gross. And then later at recess, she goes there and we see her cut the head off this dead pigeon and take it around. And, and you're just like, oh, Charlie, what the hell? You are weird. I don't like you. Explain explain what you're doing. <laughs> and that also doesn't pay off right away. Something being beheaded. We're just like, hmm, isn't that an interesting, odd thing to
1: say? Again, it's supposed to just be like, it's per- it's. I'm going to use the word perfect, even though I can't, I don't mean it technically. Like it's, it's just so well made that, okay, the way Charlie is reacting to her grandma's death connotes a very close connection to grandma that is maternal, let's say, right? Or familial, I guess. Yes, would be right or hereditary. <laughs> yeah,
3: hereditary.
1: <laughs> that's right. And so Charlie is probably already a kind of weird kid. Because mm-hmm. we're in the we're still in like the normal world paradigm when we're trying to evaluate these characters in the early movie, right? Yeah, right. yeah. And yeah, so yeah. like Charlie is a weird kid who's had this major trauma, and she's like she's physic- processing. She, she's physically like her face is a little bit physically deformed, so she probably doesn't make friends easily. And like we kind of see that even Motif at the party, like she's just kind of on her own. So all of these things flood in normal real life compassion and sympathy, and, for Charlie the kid who. Okay, so part of this is manifesting and you cut the head off dead birds. Like that's kind of fucked up, but it's like not totally unpredictable given it's, it's what def- you've
0: gone through. It's definitely like let's maybe sign you up for some therapy exactly, sessions. Exactly. Yes. We'll but still
1: nothing this. that feels supernatural. No, it's right? just weird. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then throughout the throughout the, the movie so far we're seeing words written on wallpaper. We're seeing in Grandma's room, there's this big triangle that's been looks like it's been burned into the floorboards, <laughs> and it's just like again, it's setting up these like little things where you're like, why is there a triangle burned into the ground? Why is there, a, you know, weird a weird, weird words etched word into written the on the walls
1: or the the doorways, yeah, with no apparent acknowledgement by any of the characters.
0: Yeah, Satoni. It. it looks like they look at it and they're just like, huh, I guess there's just a word on my wallpaper. Okay, cool. I'm too
1: busy grieving. <laughs>
0: yeah i'm too busy to worry about that and then you know charlie is sitting in her room and she we see the very first instance of this blue ring right this collapsing blue ring into a little point in mm-hmm. you know, look out and she sees this bonfire with an old woman sort of seated at it facing away from her and she's walking towards it and then again you're like okay so she's hallucinating grandma at this point mm-hmm. she's a not dealing with it. Mom is not handling her trauma because she's not processing her own. Annie's not processing her own trauma so she can't possibly help Charlie process hers. And so she's just like mad at Charlie for being out without shoes on. Instead of... <laughs> it's such a
2: mom thing though. Right, yeah. yeah.
0: It's like n- never mind that you're holding a pigeon head. Why are your shoes? <laughs> Put your shoes on.
2: <laughs> and I, I love it. It's
1: like every time they enter the house it's dad's like, shoes off. Shoes off. But that's more genius. Like So much of this movie, Annie just seems a little distracted from what's going on around her, which Mm -hmm. means she wouldn't notice little things that are like a pigeon head, even, in (laughs) Charlie's hand. Physically a little thing, yeah. And that convinces us that she's losing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even just little clues along the way where it's like, this is not a surprise when Steve doesn't believe her by the end of the movie.
0: After that scene, she's trying to go to the support group, but she's not being honest with her family. She says she's going to the movies And she's going to this, it seems like, I don't know, Griever's Anonymous, where you can kind of go in and share. And she just unloads all of her trauma. And that's where we find out the the history of when her mother died and when her father died and her brother and the stuff that's happened to her. And you're like, wow, this has been a lot of bad luck for this
1: lady. But hopefully she's about to turn it around. Now, I have a question about that part. Does, because I feel like, So much of the things that Annie does in this movie or or choices she makes is kind of orchestrated by the cult. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember what it would have been. Did the, because Joan, there's, there's a shot and you see Joan at that meeting before we know who Joan is. Yes. And so did Joan, a.k.a. this payment cult, how did they convince Annie to go to it in the first place? I wonder if they were just following her around. Until they saw, until they an, saw an opportunity. Uh, yeah. That yeah. makes sense too.
0: Yeah. And I, I I did I get it I got it wrong. The the grieving anonymous thing happens before Charlie walks to the woods ah, with right. the bird head. One scene that I really, really paid attention to the second watching, was
2: also very close to the start of the movie. I think they had just gone home from the funeral and it was nighttime, bedtime and Charlie's in bed and Annie comes in to like tuck her in and say all that stuff and then they have that conversation where oh, Charlie's right. like, yep. like, who's gonna take care of me when you die? And I was really paying attention to that, and I'm wondering, did you extrapolate anything extra from that well, scene?
1: It's just a more cl- like it's a it's a great exposition clue because that's where we find that's it's that scene where we find out that Annie didn't let her mom anywhere close to Peter right. when Peter was a baby. And so Ellen, Annie's mom, who's was like one of the leaders of this cult, couldn't the queen. <laughs> yeah, the queen. She couldn't get Payman's spirit into Peter as a baby. Like which she was, wanted. Like she wanted to, right? And so And that's when she gets to the line where she says, Grandma wishes I was born a boy. Exactly. And she's like, Well, I was a tomboy. Exactly, right? And so when Charlie was a baby, and Payman is kind of in and out of Charlie, I guess. It just it, it builds how long they've been planning this so long
3: <laughs> right.
2: and then you get a little bit of a hint and he tells charlie something about how grandma would
0: always want to feed you and yeah all that. And mm-hmm. like, you she did... was so obsessed with yeah with charlie because she was taking and care even, of demon. even charlie the name is not a traditionally you know name given to to, to girls to girls right, right? Uh, like i didn't I mean, even think of that you can absolutely do that no matter what names can be for anyone but
2: the embroidered things when she was in the box pulling out, she saw one that said Annie, and then yep. the, uh, the second one it said Charles. That would have
1: been her brother, probably her oh, brother, Yeah. right? So they probably named her right. after their brother, her yeah. brother that the uncle That's right. that I think he suicided when he was sixteen. Yeah. And do you remember the line? Why did he do that? Because she kept trying to put people in him. Yeah, she kept she in in the
0: Grievers uh, Anonymous in, in the Grievers Anonymous.
1: Okay. Annie has a line where she says, when she brings up her brother. Oh, she right. says. He blamed mom because she kept trying to put people in his head.
0: Oh, better in, <laughs> in
1: inside him. Yeah, 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 something like that. Right? Oh my and then, God, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. wow. Holy shit.
0: <laughs>
2: Dad
1: starved himself to death. Yeah. Right, and because he was schizophrenic or something. Yeah. So the two males, yeah. the two males in Ellen's life before Peter were ones who she couldn't get payment into either. Oh, no, so she has been trying for ages, ages and right? she finally got her way into And it. they both... And so, but again, this is the genius of this writing of this movie, is mm-hmm. that all of those clues fit perfectly with both theories, right? Absolutely. So they, they both fit perfectly with Annie being traumatized as a normal human being, just having gone through terrible things in her life, mm-hmm. and grieving her mom, who she both kind of loves and hates, which I think a lot of people can kind of relate to at different stages of their life with people of their family.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And yet... In retrospect, all the clues also fit for the cult's agenda.
0: It's great. Yeah, it's, it's parallel storytelling. But yeah. but to talk about that conversation that Charlie has with her mom, when she's like, who's going to take care of me when you die? See, I didn't even at that point think it was, you know, foreshadowing the cult. I just read it as, okay, so this kid, she's very young. Maybe, you know, seeing grandma die is like her first experience with a death to someone very close to her she's realized that like okay so things can die that means that mom could die and mom takes care of me so who's gonna take care of me when you right. die again like so i just totally saw that as like a child processing the understanding of death for the first time mm-hmm. instead of and but the thing fits. is it but works it, it both fits. ways this is yeah. what i'm saying yeah <laughs>
1: like this is legitimately almost two movies in one
0: oh it's just so isn't it great that we're There's talking about There's so it? much to talk about, right? right? So much yeah. to dig into. So buckle up, everybody. This is going to be a long one. I can kind of
1: already tell. Mm. I... Ugh.
0: And so then we get to the party scene where we've had some establishing shots of Peter in his high school class. And he's kind of zoning out, not paying attention to the teachers. And he's getting high at school, whatever. And then he's going to this party because. Because his friend told him to bring his dick. <laughs> he got a text. Come to this party and bring your dick. Okay, a bit of a digression here. What do we think
2: that means? I I think it means bring your person physically, but it's like another way of saying it. like, hey, Luke, come over to my place. Don't forget to bring your feet. But it's more in like a very hyper sexualized high school way. Like, so hey, the, the okay. girl,
1: the girl that you like is going to be at this party as well. Bring your dick. So it's not like a particular like bring a, a level of energy that's a, a like a, big dick adequate dick energy? for a party. I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. Like, I'm assuming it's both a literal. And a
2: semi-metaphorical saying.
0: Look, right. there's, di- there's different ways to describe like, the literalness into it, it.
2: Literally, unless you're castrated, if you're going to this party, you're going to be bringing your dick. Well, not if you don't have one.
1: Or if you're... Well, like, like in, from, you Peter's, know, from, Peter's from Peter's perspective, yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. yeah.
2: He's, he's attached to his. <laughs> so and to speak. And metaphorically, you see him, he's kind of checking this girl out in class and always looking around, right? you know. Mm. And that's another nod and a wink to what Payman wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... So okay, Br- bring your dick. I don't know. It, maybe it's something that 2018 high school students. Do. I just have never heard that expression. I haven't never. I never heard, I never
0: heard it. it. Uh, except for if you're talking to a trans man mm. and he needs to bring his packer along, which is like a prosthetic dick to slide uh. into to make it look like they got more downstairs. That's your slice of trans education <laughs> today, everyone. You're welcome.
1: Well, but couldn't you say that about like any phallic toy? <laughs> Of course. <laughs> you kid? Right. Also the party. <laughs> Good point. I yeah, I guess we're... any listeners who know more about Bring Your Dicks than we do? <laughs> we are
0: absolutely focusing on the wrong part of the
1: movie. At this oh, story. is this not what this
0: movie's about? I mean, like, in, in this very tense horror
3: movie, it
2: it was was a a of, you
0: look for the comedy. It was, it was, it was probably levity. the funniest part. There's a bit of levity. But so he's going to this party, and he has this very teenager versus mom discussion about, I'm going to the party is there going to be drinking there? I'm not going to. No, we're not even old enough to be drinking. And she's like, hilarious. But is there going to be drinking yeah. there?
1: And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a situation where there's an elephant in the room that neither person is like making reference to. So they're both kind of icily polite with yeah. each other. You know, in a way that. Or she's saying, don't drink at this party. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. I'm going to drink Or at it's this like, party. she's being like a little bit passive aggressive. I'm not saying you have to eat there. It's fine. I'm just curious to know if you're going to eat. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then he's just like, well, you know, I, I said I'm not going to drink, even though he didn't specifically say that. He just kind of implied it, right? Yeah. So they're, they're being kind of ungracious with each other in a very kind of over-the-top civil manner. Right, <laughs> which is so funny to see because you know that there's something else that they're just not talking about. Yeah, I mean, happens. every it's so relatable too. Every single teen, everyone who's ever been a teenager has had this kind of conversation
2: with right. a parent, right? And this
1: is before we know about the paint thinner almost burning the kids alive. Oh yeah, that's at like one point a, a when a so when we, later, find that later, we find that later that those scenes between Annie and Peter take on more significant like attention. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's you pointed out as well that it's funny that. Teenagers think their parents were never teenagers. If you're a teenager, you are the first person to think, Oh, I'm gonna go underage drink at this party because my parents didn't do that and you know, your parents absolutely did that, and so did their parents. <laughs> so, they could and easy, so did their parents I'm
1: too young to drink. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's just okay, we all understand this covenant of I'm gonna pretend you're not at the party drinking, and you're gonna pretend you're not drinking at the party, yeah. and we're all gonna go about our merry way. But then he gets pressured into taking Charlie to this party, which is when shit gets weird mm-hmm. for the first time.
2: When you f- first watch the movie it's like a very normal thing. Take your sister. Obviously mom knows that Charlie probably doesn't have a lot of friends at school is kind of a social outcast and being a being a parent, you want the best for your child. So, no, I want you to bring Charlie so she can make some friends. But. But, mom. But, but, but. but. Peter
1: lies to Annie about the nature of the party, right? Yeah. so It's not a school barbecue. So it's like it's a high school party. barbecue, which is like a little more social. It's like a high school party with drugs and alcohol. And so, if Annie had known that that was the actual party, she probably... Probably wouldn't have let Charlie go. And it probably was a bit too young. She's yeah, 13. Yeah. To and it would have been like a that. bit of a fight maybe between Peter and oh, Annie. And, well, I mean, she probably wouldn't have let Peter go. So, anyway, yeah. what does this do for us on a first time watch? Maybe more family dysfunction yeah. that makes the main narrative seem like the actual one.
0: Yeah. Right. And so they, they go to this party. Peter wants to go and get high with his friends. And he's just, ah, you know, go. Have some cake, Charlie, and leave me alone. It kind of abandons her at this party, which if you bring someone to a party, don't abandon them. It's rude. But she goes to eat this cake and we see a
1: very clear shot of just It's like in role models when Sean William Scott goes yeah. to have sex and leaves the ten year old playing video games yeah, yeah, by yeah. himself. That's not yeah. good role model. And then they're PICs, but where's my PIC?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. But there's a scene, a very gratuitous shot of and if there was if there was ever a shoehorn shot in, <laughs> in this movie, which it is so tight, just a cutaway shot to somebody just cutting a board full of walnuts (laughs) is probably the most like (laughs) gratuitously shoehorned because she's cutting up all these walnuts for reason and then later she's cutting up a big chocolate cake because what high school party doesn't have just a giant Mm. you know double decker chocolate cake there that sounds real good. Yeah, I know it is funny. I actually, have cake in my fridge at home. I'm so stoked to have a piece
1: in a movie that's actually about a cult with the, one of the eight kings of hell. It's funny how the least believable scene involves walnuts and chocolate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: we're we're allowing amazing for how
1: that happens.
0: The yeah, we're allowing for the the kings of hell to be. A, Extant yeah. and cults worshipping them to exist. Yeah. But we're like, no, nah, high school party with cake? Get the fuck out of here. Walnuts. You just eat those whole. <gasps> yeah. So anyway, she has a piece of this cake that was cut or made with walnuts. Cut with a knife that cut walnuts or whatever. Anyway, she goes into an anaphylactic shock. She goes to get her brother, who's very high by this time. And he goes to drive and she's I mean, he's just semi-high. I don't think he was very high. He's a little bit high. He's it looks like he high. maybe got just started. Yeah. And then he... And then this was the movie where my notes went into all caps. This was the part. Because they're driving, and she she's choking. She's having an anaphylactic shot. They're trying to go to the hospital. She rolls down the window to get more air, sticks her head out the window. At the same time, there's a corpse, a deer corpse on the road that he swerves to avoid. That's very conveniently lined up to a telephone pole. Probably the same telephone pole we saw earlier with the, like, bird, the little symbol drawn on it.
1: Which is actually payment symbol. Which is
0: payment symbol. Right. And... Then she gets her head taken off by this telephone pole. And holy shit, I was not expecting that. And neither was
1: I the first time. I, I reacted
0: to it and I like asked, like, did that just happen? And you didn't say anything to me. And I was like, guys, <laughs> what happened? I wanted you to experience it. <laughs> I know. It. You were so quiet this whole movie. I was like, somebody tell me what's happening.
1: <laughs> I think, Alex, you brought up this scene the other day when we talked about this, didn't you? What did I say? Just how that. It might have been somebody else. I it's thought it so was, you know, unexpected, right? Yeah, and then and then the way Peter reacts is so uncanny. He's just right because totally he doesn't like shocked. He's responsible, like not in a deeply moral way, because he was trying to avoid an accident and it was like bad luck. It's manslaughter. But, it's not murder. Yeah, mm. but he doesn't even tell his parents about it. No, he's he just so... goes home and goes to bed. Yeah. And again, this happens before we know that Peter has had this experience with his mom at some point the paint thinner yeah oh, right okay. so we are not peter knows something we don't about how he feels like it's going to be reacted to and it makes all those scenes of his mom grieving over charlie's death all the deeper when you see his reactions to her mm-hmm. because he yeah when he drives home he doesn't tell he just goes to bed and mom finds <laughs> charlie's decapitated body in the car she's literally like okay i'm so gonna that, go
0: get some crash that whole
1: that whole segment is uncanny you just don't know what to do with it right like i bet you you felt that like i i category error i don't know what to do with the information i'm seeing right okay, now okay the quote i
0: wrote this is directly from my notes <laughs> what the fuck is this movie
1: yes. <laughs> end quote yes
0: <laughs> yeah it's i think it was so so brilliant that and just like, like he's shocked he's just totally mm-hmm. stunned
2: and When you're watching a horror movie and you kind of see Charlie, like, and you're watching this movie for the first time, you see Charlie, you're like, oh, weird creepy kid who cuts heads off birds and, you know, clicks her her tongue and, you know, weird drawings. Like, oh, Charlie is not cool, this movie, and I'm going to keep my eye out for Charlie. And they take take Charlie out, who is supposed, in your mind, the antagonist of the film, in the first third of the movie, and then you're just...
0: Okay, I guess we're starting all over again. Who am I supposed to be suspicious of now? And then there's a gratuitous scene. And I guess ultimately necessary, although I still think the movie would have been just as tight without it. But just to really hammer home the point that, yes, this really happened. It's not imagined they have a cutaway shot to this head just being on the highway.
1: Just that was so gross. I was not prepared for that. Well, and stylistically, it's a nice foreshadow for some of the dream sequences that mm, Annie yeah. has later with all the ants climbing all over Peter's body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it yeah, fools yeah. us into thinking it's real for at least a second. Right? Yeah.
2: Also, you they show her, the, I, I guess they show you the head to reinforce the fact that at the, you know, like spoilers, at the end of the movie in the treehouse, the figure of Payman is Charlie's head.
0: Is it Charlie's head or Char- Annie's
1: head? It's Charlie's head. I didn't think it was Annie's. You it was it was a little bit too decomposed to be oh, okay. freshly right. severed. Right, right, right. I'm I'm like 95, 98% sure it was th- those are precise numbers. I, I like I didn't know. Uh, I wouldn't Charlie's it head. might not be Charlie's, like it could be somebody else, but I think it was probably Charlie because mm-hmm. it's not it didn't really make sense to be anybody else.
0: Yeah, so then then Peter is freaking out, and yes, there have been some scary spooky things, but we're still at this point thinking that Peter's just having a lot of reactions to this trauma, and of course you would. Again, this is parallel storytelling at its finest because, you know, your grandma just died, and then like two days later, a week later maybe, your sister is dead by something you directly caused or was like ostensibly your fault. There's that word. (laughs) And and he's like, okay, Peter needs to get some therapy, and he's just medicate, self-medicating with weed, and we can tell it's not working because he's zoning out in school. And you think it's the trauma, but maybe this is the spooky, 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 spooky cult times. Yeah.
1: And you know, I just was this thinking about something. This is this is not a specific plot point in the movie. It happens a few times, but there are a couple of, and I mean this technically, there are a couple gratuitous. Inputs into the movie of, of specifically payment slash cult stuff. So the first few times we see the ethereal payment light, like the blue ring. Yeah. It's just thrown in the movie. And that scene, like I mentioned earlier, the desecrated. And then what's that smell? It's interesting because these things, I, th- I would say Ari Aster is playing a little bit on our psychological biases if it's a piece of data that isn't in consonance with the theory we have operating throughout we just disregard it right so right. like i remember the first time i saw that the payment light in charlie's bedroom i guess it was we see it about four times in the movie four or five so, so enough blue ring that enough goes to y be to noticeable so. and, and yeah. at least should inspire some more curiosity in me than it did because once it's there it's just there and then it's gone and then they don't reference it and we're back on the family dysfunction mental health train again and i'm like meh that doesn't fit in with all of the seven or eight other data points I have that mm. point towards trauma and grief and depression and just accidents and tragedy. Right. Mm. So, and, but I'm like, but that doesn't, that's not logical. <laughs> like no, whatever that light was, was important. but Why but, am I ignoring it? But it's yeah, it's not logical, but,
0: but see where, where I was, I was, you know, you're, you're set up with this super tight storytelling that even though, they don't reference the light, and nobody pays attention to it. Me, as the viewer, I was like, okay, we're going to pay attention to this. Mm. This is going to come back. This yeah. is going to be resolved. And you had faith in the movie. You trusted the movie to be like, we're not going to tell you now. We're going right, to tell you right, later. Right. Even though I might have asked out loud
1: lots of times for someone to explain what was happening. Oh, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> so many but times. The last five minutes of the movie, I was I was totally surprised. I did yeah. not see that ending coming, and I did not predict. Like, I knew Joan was weird, but I didn't think it was, like, as organized and orchestrated and Ooh, supernatural at the point as it was, right? It, so. And so, but now, watching it again, there are there's some of these scenes where I'm like, this is not anything except something cult-related or <laughs> payment-related, yeah. but why did I not pay more attention to it the first time I watched it? Why did you not pay more ah, attention to it? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> And I, I don't know, like, it's just a theory, but I'm floating it is that I think it's part of natural human psychological biases to just kind of disregard some of the data points if they're not like in line with most of the other ones. You're like, this doesn't fit, goodbye. Yes. I don't want this fact to fit my narrative. So but I don't even it do it out. on purpose, well, right? Is, it's unconsciously do,
2: do disregard it. S- do you think that you're disregarding all that culty stuff because your human brain is still pulled towards the more realis- of course. R- realistic parts of, course. of like the movie? I had right?
1: no context to think, Oh, supernatural cult stuff. First time, yeah. But now I'm like, man, I feel so stupid. <laughs> but I shouldn't, right? Like that's like a that's a naive way to think about my own reaction right. to the story. But I do, as you know, I'm a big psychology nerd, and so I'm like, man, I wonder, like, this is an interest. I I wonder if he did it on purpose. Is like because so much of this movie is on purpose. I wonder if he just was All like, on I'm gonna throw in like four gratuitous cult-related things that make no sense and see if people just go with it. (laughs) I'm sure they do, and they do. I guess I did. Uh, So, speaking of Joan,
0: this is the point in the movie where we meet Joan, and just before we get to that point, there's one spot where it's just like, okay, everybody's super creepy because Peter rides his bike home and then stands outside the door and stares there, and we just see this shot of Francis McDormand in the background, which oh my god. Tony Collette. Oh, sorry. Tony Collette, thank you very much. Patrick Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) See? Tony I'm, Stark? I'm not going to get any names right ever. That's just part I'd of like my I'd like to brand. make
1: a Colette call, please. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tony Colette being in the car, just staring at Peter as he goes in. That's very reminiscent. That then sets up later to the point where he's in the hallway and she's like just chilling on the ceiling oh. being possessed. And so she's, she's in the car being freaky and we're like, okay so she's obviously angry that he's the cause of her daughter being killed, and they haven't talked about it. So she just drives off and goes to another therapy session. And then we meet this Joan person who's this. A little too handsy. She's a little bit too touchy. She's like this very. Well, wasn't nice... that scene yet, though. No, no, but like she she's seemed very normal in the she, first scene. She even felt like a little bit. She's just like standing outside the window and she's pressing, 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 like, come in. What happened? I heard your mom died. I'm so sorry. And then she's like, yeah, my daughter got killed. She's like, oh no. And then she just shares her whole thing about her son and grandson. who I th- also does. fine. I thought that scene was very first normal time to me. I watched it, I yeah. believed it. Yeah, I, I believed like, it, okay. but I was like, okay, you're a bit oversharey, Joan. Like maybe step back until you know a little bit of boundaries. But with then this at, this, at
2: the same time, it's like if you're at if if you meet people at like a grief of course counseling thing, like, like it makes I, sense it, that
1: she's there. It makes if sense that's her yeah. story, and the fact that she's like a little bit weird. Then you're just going to like, well, I know that there's lots of different ways people are in the world. And even yeah. though I wouldn't be that way, I kind of, it wasn't, it didn't rise to the level of deep suspicion to oh, me. Oh, I mean, I was immediately suspicious of Joan the first time.
0: I was, she's uh, up to something. Okay. I don't trust you, Joan. Well, you had more, you had more savvy yeah. than I did.
1: Yeah, me
2: too. <laughs> I just thought Joan was like just a compassionate person. Didn't press any more once they exchanged stories, but was like, you know what? Like, I'm embarrassed, but here's my phone number, here's my name. If you ever need, <laughs> if you ever need to call, <laughs> you you thought it's like, I'm so embarrassed, but can I have your autograph? Yeah, because
0: yeah. she's this artist who makes these miniatures for museums, and I was like, Joan, are you gonna ask her for her
1: autograph right now? Like, get out of here. But so when Joan drops the hammer of that, oh, my son and my grandson also died four months ago, and and he was only seven years old. All of the kind of weird things she was before dropped away from me, where I'm like, oh okay she's like, just grieving the, she the, the to deep out. the deep reality of that would forgive any of these other kind of like weird faux pas or breaches in etiquette that may mm. or may not be happening right now unless she as an acolyte of the paimon cult was like <laughs>
0: well maybe we'll try to get paimon in uh, to
1: my son and grandson I, I, I did miss that one on the first view <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> everyone if you were like a dude in this movie it was like well you're gonna probably be tried to possess by Paimon at some point yeah. so just chill out except steve
1: Steve.
0: So we see Joan. It sets up uh, pretty quickly. And there's a, a scene where Annie is painting in the bedroom. And she's painting one of the little words graffitied on the wall in her like, recreation. And then the paint gets knocked over and colors o- uh, pours over a bit of the paper that Joan's number was written on. And to me, it seemed like that paint tipped over by itself. Or like a spooky ghost spear, Because it didn't look like she bumped it. Mm. It looked like she was standing there and it was just like... Mm-hmm and then like like, to be like hey look at this paper that my number is on and then call me so it leads her to go talk to this joan woman and we see another throwaway line that we don't think is it's it's start this line is where i was like okay something's weird about this and i was always already suspicious of joan because she's like oh my grandmother knitted or embroidered doormats like this and she has one that's exactly the same. And Joan is just kind of like, oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. What a coincidence. And I'm like, that's
1: not a coincidence.
0: There's no, co- there's never been a coincidence in this movie and there never will be. No, and I admit that
1: that's when I was also like, wait a minute. You're like, this is a weird. Everything yeah. in this movie has been so tight. We're not just going to have an unnecessary line here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then this, this was such a cool scene where she goes kind of into
2: the backstory of. She tells the sleepwalking story. The sleepwalking yeah, go story. ahead. story. And, another kind of little throwaway line that i missed the first time but caught this time was her first group session where they're, they're like any first time or second time people come introduce herself she says i don't know why i'm here but I, I guess i was kind of forced to do one of these things a few years ago and it worked so i wonder if one of those forced things that she was due was to help her sleepwalking thing
0: oh that probably. Like, an, like another oh, little yeah. throwaway line right just yeah. like i'd buy it yeah. like you can get group therapy for all sorts of shit like that yeah so anyways but like, tell me tell me go ahead and continue about joan yeah yeah the, and
2: then, the yeah so she goes kind of into the a little bit about how she feels really guilty about everything that's happened because she used to sleepwalk a lot and it was a big problem but it hasn't been so recently and one night she's sleepwalking and uh, she woke up with herself standing over peter's bot like peter in his room while he's sleeping Peter and charlie because they, Pe- yeah, they share a room time. and Herself, Peter, and Charlie were covered in painter fluid. Well, uh, paint thinner. Paint thinner. And she said she struck a match, and the sound of her striking the match woke her up, and she put it out immediately. But Peter woke up and saw what Annie was about to do. And ever since
0: that moment, Peter hasn't trusted Annie. Mm-hmm. And so all the scenes of him not telling her what he's doing, him not being honest with her, is not just being... A moody teenager, it's being
1: like my mom tried to kill me. A moody teenager whose
0: mom tried to kill him. Yeah.
1: And that was such a bombshell in the plot for yeah. us, the audience. I, yeah. Like you were like, what? Fuck. Because then. <laughs> even though it only happens about halfway through the movie, it does make you rethink almost the whole movie up to that point based on the way, especially the way Peter and Annie have been interacting thus far, Mm -hmm. right? Because we didn't know that crucial piece of information, which (laughs) it's like a pre plot twist. It's like a plot twist halfway through the movie where it's like, Oh, now the first half of the movie I have to rethink because of the way Peter is going to react to Annie. And I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, this is where it kind of started in my mind thinking, wait, I wonder if this is going to be Annie as unreliable narrator in this Mm -hmm. movie because she sleepwalks. And then a little while later when we get those dream scenes, I'm like, well, which part do I trust? And if she's losing it, when would I know that I'm seeing something authentic on screen, right? Right. So it's set up perfectly for that false interpretation, but not implausible one. I mean, you said, I
0: just wanted to ask a question based Mm. on your... Throwaway comment there of it being a pre-plot twist. Right. What point in the movie, you know, I would just call it a plot twist. Like, what point in the movie oh. does it have to come for it to be a twist? Like, could you have a plot oh, twist well, in the first No, set? no, I mean, Probably I not. think
1: I think my general <laughs> assumption of a plot twist is the kind of like the end of the movie. Mm, In it's like everything you watched was different well because I mean if it was real life every decision you make is in a sense a plot twist of your life right what a twist but when a movie like so the main twist of this movie is the fact that yeah this cult and Joan and then even grandma had been manipulating this family for a long time just to find the right opportunity to get payment into it because that is completely different than what you assume the movie is right for most of it fair enough whereas before I found out that Annie had had this experience prior with Peter and Charlie where she was like sleep unconsciously going to kill them let's yeah. say right i had considered her to this to be an entirely reliable narrator with just a movie of a family experiencing tragedy mm. and like Charlie's death had been an accident. Ellen's death had been too bad, but she was an older lady and Annie had referenced this. And we have this other trauma with her dad. And so it's like, okay, so far this movie has been trauma and grief. (laughs) Now it might actually be Annie is an unreliable narrator of her own story to us, the audience. Right. Which made me think, well, what do I think about her conversations with Peter thus far? And and Steve, in the first half of the movie... But it's such a good trick because it's actually not something I have to rethink. Well, well, then
0: maybe it's like, (laughs) this is plot twist one. Mm, And then it's a surprise plot twist two
1: cults. Yeah, And that's good because I did think the first time I thought, like, Steve, like, you're actually losing your mind. Mm, Yeah. Right? And I did too. Quick
2: narration question. Um, Was her telling Joan about the paint thinner before or after the dinner scene? That was before the dinner scene. Okay. Yeah, so she tells Joan this information about how she almost killed her kids when she was sleepwalking, and ever
1: since then, Peter hasn't trusted her. And we haven't had a blow-up yet between Annie and Peter, right? Mm -hmm. After this really tense thing where Peter's responsible for the death of Charlie. And so once we know... It's just perfect storytelling in that once we have this huge piece of information the dinner scene which comes directly after it makes way more sense than it would have if it had happened before
2: right before the dinner
1: scene too she's
2: she's back in her home working and uh steve comes in to see what she's working on
0: and Mm. she made Yeah, yeah, made yeah, yeah
2: a model diorama of charlie's death scene it's like there's a there's a model lamp pole, there's a model car, there's there's a model head on the on yeah. the sidewalk or whatever. And I
1: would consider that perfect a perfect potential piece of evidence for the point I just made. where it's like, Absolutely. oh, Annie is an unreliable narrator. She thinks he's not going to have a problem with this. It's just a neutral view of the accident. Yeah, yeah. It's like, are you fucking kidding me, <laughs> yeah, Annie? Yeah, yeah. Your seventeen-year-old <laughs> son who just is. Recently responsible for the death of your thirteen-year-old daughter is going to look at your recreation of the death of the accident scene and be like, "No, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good. It's a very a neutral, recruit, recruit. neutral yeah, of course. That's, that's totally fine. Oh yeah, you have a really good grasp on on the human psychology, Annie, aka. I suspect your brain right now. I suspect your brain a lot. So, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm glad, glad you brought that up. That's a good actually, point.
0: That's a very interesting pivotal part because yeah, yeah she's so just like. Oh, you know, this is just
2: so nonchalant about it and so nonchalant and any the least any, chalant. Yeah, any like <laughs> compassionate
0: human would be like, What are you doing? Stop doing that. Yeah, like don't do that. Your son's gonna see this and you're gonna like Right, and it's like, okay, okay, okay. She's processing it in arguably the worst way by recreating it, but you know, maybe she's doing it, but also, yeah, like she's she's not like if this is how she's thinking this is appropriate, then she is not okay and obviously steve her husband is at this point being like maybe i gotta take peter out of here (laughs) (laughs) but yeah then the dinner scene happens and there are so many good tense dinner scenes in movies that's like a very trope of a tense family dinner and in, in tv shows and this one has got to stack up in the top three
1: and it's not even that long. It's, it's not like that and long. It's three and a half minutes, maybe. But she acts the
0: hell out of that scene, yeah. and she's yelling at Peter, and she opens up about, you know, how he's
1: ungrateful to her, and even though she said sorry, she's, I gotta, she's
2: looking at your smug face
1: all I the time. But she knows here. he's hurting, so she's also admitting having some empathy for him at the same time. Yeah, but she's it's also like, she's kind of like yelling. She's like, I said I was sorry
0: for almost burning you to death. Isn't that enough? <laughs> it's like, uh, no. <laughs> and
1: Peter's just like, oh that
0: was and just like his acting and then steve just like sitting there being the like i don't want to get in on this hard to to weigh in on until it gets a little too far then he's like that's enough and then he's like we're stopping it here and he's just yeah he doesn't trust her because she's losing her mind on her son who is obviously destroyed with guilt Mm -hmm. at like what he did charlie was at the party with him he wasn't paying attention to her so she ate the chocolate cake so they had to go to the hospital and then he tries to throw it back being like well you forced her to come to the party so it's like all you know it's like you know what is the cause you can
1: it's the the reverse uno card right yeah no you (laughs) yeah yeah like which which function which link in the chain do you want to focus on yeah that's the most important The chain of
0: causality like which one started okay you could go back to we decided to buy this gravity the universe wouldn't have yeah exactly (laughs) Exactly.
1: Well, it all started with the Big Bang. And if it Your wasn't main... for payment, there wouldn't be... Oh, I get it. <laughs> uh, payman? You stupid bastard. Payment received. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Collette, you're right. That
0: scene at the dinner table where she is screaming, like, that is some capital
1: A acting right and, and I think this is this is probably it. a good mo- moment for a di- for just a minute of digression.
0: Uh, just a minute though because we really got to keep on top of
1: this topic <laughs> I know but just I, I referenced it at the beginning her acting, her dialogue but even more. Her face. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. This is maybe the best Mm -hmm. face acting I've ever seen in my life. Just her looks, her expressions. Obviously, it's uh, augmented by the way they filmed it and the color, which we haven't talked about yet. We we should at the end probably just the cinematic Mm -hmm. pleasure that this movie is. But the light in her eyes, the way she looks at things, just the pain that's palpable. I was, as a lover of good aesthetics... This was a, a about as good as facial acting as I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh, she's so
0: good. Yeah, she's phenomenal. And yes, Tony Collette, have all the acting jobs. You win. We <laughs> said it, so now you can do you it. You win guess, acting. Yes, you win all the acting, Tony Collette. <laughs> what happens next is Annie is getting more and more breakdowning and more desperate. And this is when Joan is like, hey, come check it out. I know how to do a seance. This is totally a normal thing. To but do. wasn't
2: it just like a, a random happy stance that they bumped in each other at the
0: craft store? Of course, I was like, "Why is Joan at this craft store? This is no good." And she's like, "Oh, I'm so happy!" And this is when she gets all touchy, and I'm like, "Joan, you need to back off." If Joan was, I would be like, "I need to go now, Joan. You're freaking me out." She
1: definitely needed some social and emotional learning. She <laughs> does not.
0: She's not respecting her Stop. boundaries. Name your feelings. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> That's empathy. Oh God, it's feeling what others feel. Oh yeah, sorry uh shades of our careers i was feeling excitement oh god so yeah so joan is joan is there so she run runs into her at the craft store and is like telling annie about how oh these this this medium came over and did a seance and i got in touch with my grandson and she's like come over to my house and we'll do one and at even at this point before i knew it, it was a spooky 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 cult and it feels like maybe you don't try your own seance after watching one for the first time. Like, that seems like one where you maybe sit in on a few. You do a little bit, but she's just like, no, 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 I got this. Ready? Here we go. We'll put our hands on this glass. And she's like, hey, Louis, move this glass. I'm your grandma. And then the glass moves. And it's all... This is when the spooky things are starting to happen. There's like a puff of air that blows Annie's hair around. And that was like a, a startled moment. And then his little chalkboard... He's writing. I love my grandma, which I don't know if it's the most unsettling thing in the movie, but it's right up there. A that was another scene stuff? where I
1: thought it was an unreliable narrator moment. You thought she was hallucinating, She, this or? she was just remembering it, like we were seeing what she thought she was seeing. Oh, okay, cool. Right, and and that's why actually the scene with her and her Steve and Peter doing it was confusing to me at one point because I was like, I think I rationalized it like, oh, this is actually just more in her head, mm-hmm. as opposed to. What it actually was, which should have made me more discerning, where Steve and, Al and and Peter are seeing fire come out of the candle and glasses move for no reason on the table, which should be clues for supernaturalism that Steve seems to ignore. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> so, no, you're doing something. So I think that's another data point that I just ignored because it didn't add up with my ongoing theory. Yeah.
0: So she... She gets freaked out. She has to stop the seance. And then Joan is like, no, 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 take this, take this, take this, take this candle, take this page. Make sure you say it, the words exactly, which, you know, if this is, as we know now, it's like ooky spooky cult times. And did you see, did you hear that one, another one of those throwaway
2: lines? Make sure your whole family's with you, especially, especially your son.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because it's gonna, this is when we see it like really start to affect Peter. and And if anyone is the... Yeah, it's like a surprise that Peter is the target all along. So she takes us to do this seance, which is, uh, looking back, it's obviously this was, okay, this is like step four of the summoning ritual, and we need her to do that, so get her to do that, Joan. You're on it. You're the, like, nice grandma of the cult.
1: (laughs) She's taken on the mantle, now that Ellen's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: so what I was saying, I think we, we did this, I was talking to Luke just before we recorded this, was that, like, that little sheet of paper with the what kind, What language is this even That is like say, read this exactly syllable by syllable i don't think it was part of the actual seance i think it was like more of a spell yeah that's what i'm saying yeah, 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 yeah it was a spell for but then the seance part was real because you see charlie or
0: charlie's spirit kind of doing stuff filling out her notebook but before before she does the second seance there is the scene where we have the first dream sequence dance where she's wakes up she wakes up, good language, good languaging. So she wakes up and there's ants on her bed and it's just like, ugh, ugh, bugs are gross. I get grossed out by bugs. Except not in Season of the Witch, those bugs are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But, so there's bugs and there's ants and it it goes into Peter's room and he's covered in these ants. In the same way that Charlie's head was in reality. In reality. So Mm -hmm. we have this nightmare scene and I'm like, oh God, what happened to Peter? And then she wakes up and she's starting to talk about how and like this conversation before I realized it was surprise second dream where she's confessing to her son. I tried everything I could to miscarry you. Like how I never wanted to be that? your mother. I never wanted to be your mother. And you could see that in that scene before, you know, it's a second dream. She's she says that and then she covers her
2: mouth that, with that her hand. That was so great. It was like she was trying to catch her she words. She's like,
1: no, I shouldn't <laughs> have said that. And then she just keeps pouring out of her. And actually, how reminiscent is that of the feeling when something doesn't go the way you want it to in your dream? Mm-hmm. Like you kind of have no control. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I have some of these, I have a recurring dream and it's really weird where I just can't make my hockey game on time because I can't get my skates tied in re- in enough time, right? Or I, right. I forgot my elbow pad and it's just like,
3: oh, oh, yeah, even
1: just that the way she physically reacted, I never wanted to be your mother. <gasps> it was such a, <laughs> it, it, it struck me as such a great visual representation of that feeling of helplessness in a dream you get sometimes right
0: but th- and then it continues to screw with you because she's having this conversation we're like okay we're getting some stuff out in the open wait a minute they're both covered in lighter fluid what's happening and then she lights on fire and then they wake up from the other dream and is she's still in his room at that point no, she wakes up in her she wakes up in her own bed right and okay, she decides to do the second. That was pretty Inception. Sam. It was like
1: a dream within a dream, right? Dream within a dream. But again, that sets you up for not knowing which scenes you're going to be watching that are what's actually happening mm-hmm. and what isn't, because yeah. that's two important scenes in a row that are a dream. Yeah. While we're also simultaneously be like, she's losing her mind.
0: Well, we need to see if her token, the little top spins and falls over, she's and then right. we'll know it's yeah, in the yeah, real yeah, world. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Don't jump, Mal! <laughs>
0: uh, that's from Inception, everyone. That's your... Your podcast, once a podcast, Inception
3: Reference.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. So I I wrote, Midnight Seance is going to be a bad idea. And boy, was I right. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Uh, And she's just, because this was also where it struck me weird, where she was like, I understand everything. I know what's going on. I'm a medium. And Steve is like, okay, honey, (laughs) what's (laughs) happening? (laughs) And so she. Yeah, this she this movie man from Steve's perspective is just like poor guy.
1: What the fuck, Annie?
0: Just and then like so they do the séance. They call her, and then the single most terrifying subtitle came up on the screen, which was just brackets Annie growling close brackets. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs>
2: So it's, it's i think it's kinda of clear that once the seance is happening or finished, Annie was possessed by, by, Charlie, by she's Charlie speaking in her voice. Yeah.
0: And this is we get later because of the cult, is trying to find a vessel for mm. Charlie's spirit, who is supposed to be the oh, okay. the
1: Paymon. So this actually makes me But f- can't be in Charlie's body. I have a question about Charlie now that I didn't really think about until this viewing. Is Charlie Charlie or is Charlie Payman her whole life? Or is payment the kind of supernatural entity that can kind of like live in the ethereal world for a little while is that blue circle light, but he also always needs to come back to some physical host. So sometimes he's possessing Charlie and sometimes he's not. Yes. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it was, but it, it seems. Well, So I think, okay. So if we kind of break it down, we like, here are the
2: facts. We know that grandma Ellen was very close with Charlie as a baby yeah. and would always
1: which would feed, feed be how Payman Charlie. maybe got into her right. in the first place?
2: Yeah, but maybe the fact that because Charlie is is not a male, Payman doesn't like that medium that he's in. Mm-hmm. So and he needs to take a break every he, now. And yeah, again. I guess so. Yeah. So when he
1: leaves, Charlie's like, "Whoa, I'm back!" Yeah, <laughs>
2: then... I-, I think it's implied that Payman yeah. is. Trying to manifest,
1: mm. but because it's Charlie's body, there's, he can't fully. just need to hear another, but there is a movie from the '90s called *Fallen*, which is about a demon, mm. a demon possession, right. and it is like the demon is allowed to move a certain length of distance, mm. not in someone's body before it dies. Oh, right. So it like can travel a little ways, and so I wonder if that was like. Oh, I wonder. This demon can. Eh, this demon can go live in the ethereal realm for like a couple hours. Yeah, and then come and, back. and he's very obsessed with obviously biological sex. Yeah, because he's inhabiting the. Body Mm -hmm. vessel of of these people, and and then presumably Ellen did some sort of ritual that allowed payment to go into Charlie as a baby in the first place. Maybe yeah, Mm. because they were so close. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So then Charlie is now in Annie, but then she's creeping out Peter, and he's creeping out Peter. He's like howl, crying, crying. Yeah, that was so scary. He was Mm. a great actor as well, and he's like, "Damn, make her stop! uh." Make her stop! Make her stop!" He throws
0: (laughs) water on her, and she wakes up. Like, what happened? She's like, "Oh." everything's normal and she's so nonchalant she's like
1: why did you do that
0: yeah dude you're scaring the hell out of everyone but then we see the blue light again when they're in the the school and we see the scene where it's it's peter and he's looking there and he looks in the reflection and there's a peter looking back
1: at him but he's smirking he's got that Mm -hmm. sneer he's got that little sinister smile and Yeah, and I thought that scene was Peter also losing his mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, so everyone's losing their mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like there's just mental breakdowns happening left, right, and center here. All over the shop.
2: Yeah, and then you get more development of this family deteriorating because you see the next shot is Annie working at home, doing her thing, and she gets a phone call, and it's Steve who's like irate. You know who I just got a call from? Peter. Peter, Peter, just call me. Yeah, He just called me from school. He's crying. He's terrified, and he hangs up on her. And she calls him back. It's like, don't you dare hang up on me ever again. It wasn't me sleepwalking. And then she hangs up on him. And then it, the phone rings again. And she just lets it's it go to art, voicemail. And it's an art gallery. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's the art gallery. And you realize, oh, she right. Like, she still has a real life out of all of this. And There's she, a
0: job. And they're asking, like, hey, it's totally cool. If you need to push back your exhibit, we understand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then she smashes all of it. Yeah. And, and and so then, again, this may be from Steve's perspective. He comes home. From at the night after a seance. And that's when he says, what's that smell? Like, yeah. that's when he. What's that smell? Because all right. And and but like, so, OK, just this small little piece of uh, theory Steve has to work with. OK, last night you tried a seance. You pretended to be Charlie, our mm-hmm. dead kid. I come home today. There's this gross smell. My son is traumatized after what <laughs> you did to him last night. I come home and you've destroyed your entire workshop. Your entire work. Like, because that's no how you. No wonder Steve yeah. is like, we need to talk. Yeah, <laughs> at some point about what you're doing.
2: Yeah, and 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 the next few nights, Annie just goes to sleep in the treehouse, right? I think That's it's even she's, before she's, the she's already been doing that. that and is this the night where Peter dreams about seeing Charlie, and then the head falls off, and it's like a yes, yes, yeah. yeah. That's, and
0: Steve is sleeping on the couch. Steve goes to sleep on the couch, and then Peter has a dream. We hear that he's in bed, and we hear the tongue clicking, and then Charlie's standing in the corner of his room, and her head falls off, and it's a basketball. And then the hands come out of the headboard and start pulling his head off. And that was really scary. This was... See, this was one of my questions after the whole movie.
2: He claims that it was Annie pulling his head off. But then yeah. she goes, oh, it was just a dream. What if it was neither? What if it was the cult members trying to pull him at that time?
0: Like they burst in through the wall?
2: I don't know. Like his window right above it, right? So maybe, It
0: seemed like it came through the maybe, headboard, yeah. though. Like it was pretty low. But which- like... Made me think spooky ghosts, but arms. see,
1: I don't think that would have made sense from the cult's perspective because they didn't actually approach Peter until Peter, quote unquote, had been expelled through that little ritual that Joan had done across mm. the kind of parking lot, right? Because she's, yeah, calling yeah. Peter so out. So I think, I think, oh, it's just more dreams. Oh, well, see, my thought is because or payment hanging out influencing peter's consciousness maybe see my thought was they just wanted his
2: physical being which is why they were yanking him and then we've already seen evidence evidence air quotes because we still don't know if it's in people's heads or not of random cult people around the house right remember when charlie walks off and we see that naked lady with the bonfire that could have been in her head but it turns out it was a real cult person
0: oh yeah we see Ah.
2: we see motion we see lights going off i think and then we see banging and afterwards we know that since there was a smell in the attic, that Ellen's body is up there, the cult members must have brought her body up there. So there's been cult activity around the house. Yeah, yeah
1: definitely. But I I think if it was just, they just needed his body, they could have kidnapped him long ago. Could, yeah, he could have been riding right? his like, bike, because oh, he we rides got his bike home. Yeah. They could have just been like, snatched. Well, they could have snatched him when he was You know what? five.
0: Yeah. You know what? Maybe they couldn't rent a van, and so they couldn't snatch him <laughs> on the way home. That's, like, the only thing they couldn't do. They like it, had a meeting, yeah. and it was like, so, Steve, did you get the... Or not Steve, that's dead. So, Derek, did mm-hmm. you get the, the van? And he's like, no, I couldn't get the van. Sorry. And they're yeah. like, no, nah, fuck. Well, well, what are we going to do now?
1: But there does seem to be, like, a, an insidious-esque type of thing going on where the living are stronger than the dead. So they couldn't act... Like, Payman couldn't, man- like, possess Peter's body while Peter was still in it. Right. And Peter is just for some maybe spiritual reason stronger than payment in his ethereal form so the cult had to really have the right rituals in place and some the, of the right questions, yeah, yeah I know okay yeah, but so, yeah so, so
0: so it moves on and we see the the book Charlie's sketchbook that has just page after page after page of Peter's head uh, with Xs over the eyes and so she freaks out and she's going to burn it and she throws the book into the fire necronomicon style and then it lights her sleeve on fire and she tries to ride it out and then now she pulls it out and she stomps it out. And then the fire goes out on her arm, which was a really cool shot. I I really like that a lot. And then she tries to go see Joan. She can't get in. She can't look through. But we see that Joan has, again, the same triangle with a picture of Peter in the middle, candles, ritual all around. And we're like, aha, Joan,
1: you're and scary bats. Very prominently displayed that symbol. That yeah. We've so seen like a couple times the in the movie, but we don't know exactly what it is. Curly cue things. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, is this this is before that because she's in the attic looking through stuff and she finds the embroidery thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she finds well, that's what
1: inspires her to go do Oh, out. she
2: goes back. Right, and, okay, oh, I, right, I got right, my timeline right. mixed yeah, up. Yeah,
0: so okay. she she she's looking in the box room. I'm saying she finds the the photo album and she looks through it and it's pictures of like the, there's Ellen and then oh there's Joan in there. I didn't know that Joan knew my mom mm-hmm. and there's like a book on spiritualism. And why
1: didn't Joan
0: talk about knowing my mom? So weird. Yeah, and then she. Looks in then she opens the book to the bookmark and it's how to summon Payman yeah, circles. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so
2: I can actually read that. I have the image here. So it oh, said cool, do it. when successfully invoked, King Payman will possess. So this was the highlighted part. King Payman will possess most the most vulnerable host. Only when the ritual is complete will King Payman be locked into his ordained host. Once locked in, a new ritual is required to unlock the possession. And then, so that was the highlight part. And then at the bottom, where it was underlined, it said, It is imperative to remember that King Payman is a male, thus
0: covetous of a male human body. <laughs> Payment, don't be so hung up on binary,
1: okay? It's, it's fine. Hell is not known for its open mindedness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> but also, that was a great scene. I, I, in the more holistic sense of this entire movie, I, I love parsimonious storytelling. Right, mm-hmm. where you get the most amount of information out there with the least amount of exposition and screen time, and that that view of the book, like Annie digging through those boxes, looking at the photo album, looking, and then specifically looking at whatever that book was called, Invocations, I think it was yeah. called. That was about fifteen seconds of the entire movie, and it's the most important scene in the whole movie because it's the exact scene that tells us what this movie is actually about. Which-
0: this movie is so tight, so mm-hmm. we forgive it, but I know that you didn't like the fact that the entire scene... Do you, remember, do you remember 10 episodes ago? With Silent Hill? No, 10 episodes ago when we were doing
2: Sinister... Yeah, right. and remember how I was saying like I didn't like how they explained you know Mr. or Mr. Boogie. Mr. Boogie in the yeah. Skype call. Yeah, in the Skype call with the professor, and he's like pretty much like explaining everything, and I was like I really liked how they did it in Hereditary, and then without spoiling anything, do you know what I mean? Yeah, remember that yeah, exact yeah. conversation. And this is the scene you're talking about. Exa- yeah. This is the scene. You're what you just about. 15 said. Fifteen seconds in a book. Fifteen seconds of exposition, which becomes the most important thing. I thought that was so brilliantly done. Like, so it didn't.
0: It didn't bother you that it was literally just like here's what it's written. This is this is the answer because you i know you were annoyed by that in silent hill when it was we're showing you the movie it, go ahead it, it's not like a character explaining it and and it was he, it, a discovery because
1: and, yeah annie went to those boxes for a different reason uh, she went to go look through the stuff because she recognized her mom's embroidery in mm-hmm. the mat that joan had and those were the first two things that she pulled out of that box right so she it, it whereas in sinister it was like we need to explain this thing we need this professor to explain this thing right, so there right. wasn't like a different reason why ethan hawk was going to approach the professor right ethan right? hawk looked yeah. in the
0: phone book for mm-hmm. professors who understand this symbol yeah. and it was like hello i'm professor yeah.
1: professors whereas if annie had been like "Hmm, i'm curious about this payment character i'm gonna go raid my mom's boxes to read yeah. about this payment character. Goes, or if, if if she goes google's uh, excuse the, me, she asks Jeeves. She she Please. asks
2: Jeeves about <laughs> payment and then suddenly it's like, Hey, if you wanna know more about payment, call this number, but make sure you use Skype and then she calls it on skype and <laughs> yeah. it's the professor. There's like, yeah. a picture of so,
0: joan being like
1: so you want to learn about yeah. payment hey well here's everything about him. annie's discovery of payment is actually kind of accidental mm-hmm. because she's just reading she's like flipping through the ph- oh wait joan does know my mom she knows it what about these other I books that are right beside the photo album? yeah boom boom oh here's a bookmark it's not that it's i'm just randomly taking this page there's an actual bookmark this is where it's right? and and yeah. if she had kept going yeah. she would have found her Grandma's. It was a, more explicit notes. It I was more liked. like a good detect how yeah. a good detective reveals plot in a movie, yeah. as opposed to y- y- you know what? It's sloppy cult management. <laughs> like
0: you know that when she died, she should have had someone take all her books. Yeah. So you want to find so you yeah, know like you don't want your you she's just leaving her cult book line around with her bookmark in there. You know, maybe, Grandma, maybe you just remember that maybe they maybe didn't you don't highlight she,
1: it. Maybe they didn't know she had that. Oh, maybe, yeah. Right? So, yeah. It I, is sloppy cult work. Though.
2: And, and, like, come on. like another cult brilliant cult. thing about that is it's she's not reading it. She only looks at it. So you, as an audience member, have to read it yourself. And it's 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 still enough that if you're speed reading, you can get through everything.
0: I did like that all the times when text was on the screen, it was enough time to actually read yeah, what it
2: said. But, like, if you're a slow reader, if you're not really paying attention, you don't actually know. And that's on you. Right.
1: right, right, right. So it this movie, and treat- it's only on the screen once. Yeah, no one talks about Payman after that scene until "Hail payment. Yeah, <laughs> like the very end of the movie is the payoff to that scene, and that scene doesn't repeat and it doesn't linger. So, I watched Hereditary the first time before we watched Sinister.
2: So I, I knowing what I know knew about Hereditary, I was like, that was such a cool way to reveal it. And then when I watched Sinister, w- w- which we did ten episodes ago, I was like. I think the director thinks I'm stupid. <laughs> and that, if, if you go back and listen to that episode, that's, that was the problem I had with the kind of Mr. Boogie reveal.
0: Right, right, right. Fair enough. So, so anyway, there's like ooky spooky stuff happening all over the page. And <laughs> Annie decides that she's got to burn the book. She's got to get rid of it. She's like, I know how to do it. I'm sorry I, I brought her in there. The only way is to get rid of this book. Steve, you got to do it. Mm, you and skipped a big part. Though. What did I skip? You skipped her going into the attic. Oh uh, my god! Of course I did. Holy shit!
1: Oh, fuck. are you losing your head?
0: <laughs> so yeah, she goes into the attic cause, Oh yeah, she's is she gonna bring up the stuff to the attic? I think she's gonna put her mom's stuff up there and just be like, "I'm done with." It. I, I don't. I think why she, she saw flies. To... Yeah, there were flies. She didn't see flies till she opened it. Uh,
1: she smelled something. I don't know. There was some. There was one reason. There was a reason that she went up to the attic. I think I...
0: it's because she had all the stuff of her mom's. And she was just like, "I'm done with this. I'm putting it away." And she goes up to the attic and then flies pour out of it. And she's like, "I guess I'll just go up and check this out instead of being like, "Okay, let's get another person to to get in on this." And she sees, of course, it's turned into a shrine. There's the headless body of her mother laid out on the floor. There's that symbol that we know is of payment by this point. And she just, freaks out and that's when she decides she's gonna burn the book she's gonna burn Charlie's sketchbook and she needs steve to do it because it like burned her a little bit and steve is just like this is where i draw the line you missed another part though ah go on so before she talks to
2: steve about this we go back to school and peter's at school and that's when, of course that's when he smashes this movie
0: really freaked me out you can edit
2: this part out i won't i won't do it (laughs) but yeah so she finds the body yeah and that that's kind of it it cuts to the school, okay. And it cuts to Peter being in class again, and this time it's even weirder. Oh, right. Because yeah, now we yes. see the light, that payment light, and it goes into the reflection, and then he sticks his hand up in like a really like again,
0: it's a human arm not being like what a human arm supposed to do. Yeah. You're and like, don't do that. Teacher's
2: like, yes, Peter.
0: He puts his hand <laughs> up. It's really spooky.
2: It's really spooky, and then he just smashes his face into his desk. Oh. And. You know it's bloody, and he's screaming, and everybody in his class, is like Peter, and he before he smashes his face, his his face is really distorted, and he's kind of drooling a little bit, and his eyes look really weird, a human face looking like not how his human face. Yeah, it's look like, like
0: all droopy on one side. He looks yeah. like he's kind of having a reverse stroke. Yeah, almost. And he smashes his
2: face, and then and then screams. Yeah, I don't know if this was before that or after, but there's this one shot or
1: uncanniness. Of...
2: Yeah, one shot of Steve at work. Mm, yeah, and he's typing this email out, but then he gets an email, or he, he, his typing of the email is like I think it's
0: sending. I the, think to, Annie is in the midst of a breakdown, a or breakdown, something. or yeah. in the middle of one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then
2: he gets another email, and it's from the cemetery, and it's like a throwback to that first phone call about how it
0: was. The, it's the update
2: on the grave yeah. situation, and it, you 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 <laughs> learn out. You, you figure a out grave situation. <laughs> that it was a grave situation and it was Ellen's grave that was desecrated and most likely that her body was snatched out of there.
3: Yeah. And then she so after snatched.
2: he smashes his face, it goes right back to Steve at work. And I thought this was brilliant because you can really see how this is, has affected the whole family. He's drinking and he's sleeping on the job. Right, he's got like a glass of some kind of hard liquor, and he's falling and some asleep. kind of amber, yeah, yeah, thing, and yeah. And he gets a call from the school, and yeah, he goes to pick up,
0: picks Peter. up Peter, who's got a very badly broken nose and pretty much knocked out, and he's unconscious and he's fucked up, and I guess at this point he's possessed now or not quite. But then, then this movie, which up not until totally. up until this point had been tense and freaky, just ratchets into full time scary
1: time. The last 10 minutes of this movie is just so fucking crazy. It's so scary, and we are going to talk about it, so.
2: All right, you take this.
1: After this break for our sponsors. We don't have any sponsors yet. If you want to sponsor our show. Oh, I thought this would be a good time where you could just throw in some dead air. Ah. (laughs) Like like the form being like, we have no sponsors. Listen, I can put in as much dead air as
0: you like. That's an easy, easy edit to do. (laughs) Big money. Big money.
1: Use promo code
0: Nothing to Fear. <laughs> <laughs> Nipples. God damn it. Why are you making my job harder? Because
2: <laughs> it's Cause, not his job. Because you're my friend.
0: <laughs> okay, so we get in. Steve is 149% done at this point, And she's like, I know how to fix everything. I'll just burn this book and it'll all be chill. But first, you got to go check out what's in the attic. And he goes up there and he's like, okay, so what we're going to do is call the police. And she's like, "No," and he's like, "I
1: don't love you anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and he he did see the body. Did he saw the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he sees he, the body. He sees the body. But uh, the, my very... and this is important to the story. While this is happening, Peter is asleep in his bed. Yeah, Peter is because it's super All crucial way. that Peter's not involved in this next scene. Yeah, because it lends believability to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Goddamn yeah. this movie! Yeah. So the first time I watched this movie,
2: I was still kind of under the impression that Annie is an unreliable narrator and she was imagining the body in the attic and all the flies and stuff. Mm. But then it was at that point when...
1: Or she moved it there yeah. and she had that disassociative... Which is what Steve thinks. Oh, do you remember how it says her mom had DID? Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. right. So the title of this movie being Hereditary, ah. to what extent can you inherit genes that might make you dissociative and so that maybe... St- me like the most plausible interpretation at this point is Steve's you went and dug your own mum's body up, put it in the attic and you don't remember it yeah because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're you're in a dissociative state and because uh, of yeah. the all of all the scenes prior where the dreams and the sleepwalking, it's plausible that Annie is herself unreliable so even when we're seeing her scenes with Joan or something else maybe that's not real right mm, yeah so we don't know the big reveal yet no we don't And then yeah, so the first time I watched this, I thought it was brilliant. The way they did
2: it is that when when Steve goes up into the attic to check what she's claiming is up there, the camera doesn't follow him up, so we don't know what he sees. But then when he
0: much like we don't see the camera follow her when she goes to find Charlie's body, right? And she's very panicked, starting a fire here, right? Yeah, she's clearly lost something. And he goes up and yeah, oh god, and he comes back down, and then he's like, okay, let's call the police. And no, then,
2: the police can't help us.
0: I can't. The only way I can help is if I burn this book. And he's like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then so he, she wants him to throw it in because she's afraid it'll light her on fire. And he won't do it. Like, I'm not playing this game. I'm not playing this game. So she grabs it and throws it in the fire. But like
1: after she's like, I love you, Steve. I love you. I love you. And has this real passionate kiss. And you're just, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> this and it's like, so is, so is this her like, goodbye?
0: Is she thinking yeah. like as soon as this book goes up, she's done? But then... Well,
2: that the movie does a great job because the first time she throws it in, you see her arm go on fire. So you're like, "Oh, okay." Like, if the, bad news th- for the her. book
0: gets destroyed, she will d- get destroyed as well, right? And then at this point, well, I was still confused. I didn't know it was a cult. She throws it in, and then Steve just literally bursts into flames. I wrote a whole line of question marks.
2: That was <laughs> that was a little confusing my first time, but yeah. I think what is implied is just, is just like cult activity. And this
0: is when it's it goes from okay, this is some sort of. You know plausibility there could be some reason he is not close to the fire he is not covered in lighter fluid he is not having lit matches thrown at him or whatever he just he spontaneously combust almost which is like okay this is the most i guess the second or third super you know, supernatural thing super supernatural and paranormal and even at this point, we're like, okay, so maybe she is still an unreliable narrator, but something's not right. Because then she stops being, pretty much right after this, she stops being the focus.
2: Well, and then when Steve goes on fire, there's like a brief shot of her face. and
0: Yeah.
1: Luke, how did you describe it? Because she kind of looks down as Annie, but then the light goes in and she looks up as Payman. Yeah. And it's... You- it's just the creepiest look. But
0: and then at that point, she stops being the pro- the protagonist of the movie because it cuts to Peter. And then the only other time we're seeing her is if she's being ooky spooky and hanging out on the walls, which is so scary because he's in his bedroom and he's looking out at the treehouse and it's orange instead of red. And so he's like, "That's weird." And then there's like a whole big long scene of him looking around, and he looks and he, and he turns his head, and then we see. Annie's mom run away, and I actually didn't see it this first time. You went back oh, and it just, rewound it. it. What? It was Annie. Yeah, it was Annie. Oh, just Annie's head. You said Annie's mom. Annie's mom. Oh, Annie. Whatever. But you, you made Luke, you rewound it like forty seconds because that whole scene, she's just perched in the corner, in the shadows, in the shadow, kind of hard see to the see the silhouette, but hard to see. Yeah. Yeah, and then when it cuts to a closer shot of his face, you see her just swimming through the air, and it's like, okay, this is weird. And then he goes down, and. He sees his the burned corpse of his dad. And the house is
2: like pretty much turned over. The
0: house is all torn to shit. The tables are thrown around. He sees Steve's body in front of the fireplace, and then there's another really long shot of Annie like way up high in the ceiling. I've come out in all goosebumps again right now, even just thinking about it, because <laughs> it's so like tense and scary, and Peter is around. It's tense, tense and full of spook. The house is all fucked up. So then I said, What the hell? What the hell? What the hell?
1: Well, this is really the first part of the movie because (laughs) Annie can fly and defy gravity. So she's Spider
0: spider Mom. And then is this where we see one of the. He looks over and he sees one of the naked,
1: grinning. Downstairs. Yep. Grinning. So the the sequence is Peter wakes up, looks outside, sees the treehouse we see Annie behind or he's sitting in his bed we see Annie above him when he looks to the treehouse that's when she kind of floats out of the room yeah behind his back in like a really weird like scrambly exactly he walks downstairs finds Steve burnt to a crisp a la Alessa from student from Silent Hill aka Anakin from, from Mustafar, because yep. we actually haven't done a Star Wars reference. Yes, yet. Yes, we have. That's I awesome. talked about the music. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, that was more of a John Williams reference. All right, <laughs> splitting that tidy here. I will. Uh, sorry, that was Yoda. <laughs> and Whoa. and so when he's looking at Steve, we also get another shot of Annie above him, Mm-hmm. and just then, chilling on the ceiling, just chilling. He looks and sees naked, creepy man with his dick out there's maybe. a lot of dick in this movie anyway and it's a surprise dick you know what right? but it, that, it was so, a... it was so sentimental it got all choked up so and <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that
2: that that the first dick man was the same man from the funeral yes yeah, yeah.
1: and so You'll
0: is he the... credited as first dick man first <laughs> yeah, dick man yeah, yeah. i hope so uh, <laughs> we are super focusing on the wrong part of so what
1: moment. happened then is uh, so we see the grinning naked man and he runs and then and he comes out and, and he comes starts chasing him that was the st- right startled me so yeah. much yeah that was probably the most startled you were in the movie yeah and then they ran upstairs into the attic and then she's knocking on the attic you're yeah, like her, how with is she? her head well because i
0: was like how is she knocking on this door and then it cuts to her and she's clinging to the ceiling yeah. and just pounding her head into the door and i'm no. Okay. so
1: so this was the first time i watched this movie this sequence of events with annie defying the physical like this is the first Steve going up in flames and then Annie levitating is the first total breaking of the laws of physics Mm -hmm. in this movie. And so first time I'm like, oh, this movie is not what I thought it was. Yeah. (laughs) Something else is going to happen. What's the final shoot? And then I didn't even remember Payman until the end, the very last bit with them in the treehouse. Well, and then, so then he's up in the attic
0: and he sees the same scene, except the body is gone. And in its place is a picture of him
1: with the eyes like cut out of it. And then is that when he and sees And that's when he sees he hears no. like oh but also I have to say and I don't think you noticed it Billy but that whole scene where he's looking in at the floor where the body used to be and the picture the picture of him with the eyes cut out there are two cult members just standing behind him watching him ah! And I don't think you noticed them because you didn't say anything oh, God. but it's like similar like the way it was lit dark in the shadows you have to be looking. It's not the object of the shot, so you're not ah, looking for it. It's but it's like movie. a good twenty seconds of this just naked lady just watching Peter. Oh, when I definitely he's, didn't yeah. see that. Oh my gosh. We can maybe watch it again. No, I'm. What good. when we're done? I'm okay. It's <laughs> fine. I'll I'll save it.
0: But then we see. Yeah, she's. I thought she was stabbing herself with knitting needles or something. It, but it, it was definitely like, like some kind sawing of sawing back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So Annie is floating above the head and and Alex has a theory on that her her actually. Head off.
2: Oh, it's not a theory. It was just a little observation. When he was walking down the stairs for the very first time and you see the house in disarray, you can see the piano is knocked over.
0: And the piano is so, all busted up. So, yeah. she maybe so my theory the is she,
2: that thing that she's slicing her neck with is the piano
0: wire. Is from a piece that, of piano wire? Yeah, from that piano. i totally buy that. And then he freaks out and he jumps through the attic window. No, He sees three naked people first. Oh, right. He sees the three naked people and they're there's just naked cult members extra ooky spooky naked people just chilling in the attic and he's like not chill and he jumps out the window and he lands in the firebed bed and then we finally see the payment light go into him we see and he's really
2: a brilliant part of that as you see his body falling down which it, it, it implies that he died in that
0: yeah right i think that that's the point where he peter died died yeah and
2: then you it's the the camera's still focusing on him but then in the background you hear the sawing noise yes. stop and you just hear thump yeah and it's like oh and, and you hear a shadow you see a shadow float over top of where yeah so it's like okay yeah. so annie's head is off and the light has gone into
0: peter and and he, then we see annie we see annie's headless body floating up the ladder to into go the into tree the tree house and then he because peter stands up he stands up and when he walks peter please stand up. <laughs> He walks to the treehouse and everyone is clicking their tongues and everyone's naked and everyone's bowing in this treehouse that's filled with way too many candles for a wooden treehouse. Like, I'm just going to say this is unsafe. This is not fire safe cultists. <laughs> you, if you you need to do a fire safe demon summoning, you can get some really good LED candles that are great. Perfect ambience. <laughs> just for next time. But we see this scene of all these naked worshippers. Payment on delivery? <laughs> sorry (laughs) they're all supplicating themselves and at the there's this altar and there's this life size one of those artists mannequins you know when you draw figures but it's replaced with a head that is you suspect is charlie's head Mm -hmm. and in front of it are annie's headless body bowing in a bowing position and ellen's ellen's headless body and the queen a picture of ellen saying queen lee and he gets up, and everyone's like, hey, let's hail Payman, and he, you're the king, and that's when they explain to him, welcome to the world, Payman. And
1: a great song playing while all this is happening.
2: Yeah, it's like, it's it's music that's different than any other yeah. sound or music. It's like really kind of soothing massage music, really. Yeah, so weird. And, uh, okay, so a, a little thing about that recreated statue thingy. Of the Payman statue? The Payman mm-hmm. statue. A second watch, you can kind of allude to this as well, is that, at the start of the movie, when Charlie cuts off the head of the bird, and she's trying to, she's making all these. Oh makeshift, yeah, she's
0: making a little statue out of she's it. She's
2: making makeshift action figures, payment statues. Yeah, and little 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 figurines out of junk in the house. Right. But the she's trying to she's trying to glue the bird's head as the head, and it was just a cool foreshadowing. of it. And yeah. Maybe
1: you think she's just trying to copy her mom's artwork. Yeah, maybe. But that's no, right. Yeah, it's payment.
2: Or
0: it's, it's all this influence that and
1: that's Grandma had on her. Go ahead. And I just
2: said, and that's hereditary. And Redditar. that's
0: hereditary. Yeah, so that's really cool because also flashing back to the ritual scene in Joni's apartment, one of Paige's little toys is there. There's her toy, and then there's a rabbit head, I think, as well. There's a couple like
1: animal right. yeah, heads yeah. in there. Who's uh, Paige? Why did I say Paige? Joni? No, you said Paige's little toy. Did you mean Payman's little toy? Payman's or little toy. Or Jar- Charlie's little toy. Is it
0: Jody? Charmin- char- char- Charlie's little toy. It's also not Jody. Should we turn
1: the page on this one?
0: Joni? Did yeah. you say Joni? Yeah, Joni. The, oh, the, oh, I thought you said the, Jody. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. If this was Wreck, we could just rewind the tape. Nah, we could. That would be <laughs> annoying and we won't do it. And then the cult is there and they say, hey, guess what, Peter's body? You're now King Payman. Welcome to the world. But they address it as Charlie. Oh, right. They call him Charlie. I fucked up this movie. This, in I, in at the in a treehouse? They yeah. call him Charlie? They call him Charlie. Yeah. yeah. It's like Charlie. Charlie, you're in your, bo- your rifle yeah. body now and now you can be King Payman. Yeah. H-King so, I think it hell. is
2: it is right that Charlie has been payment her whole life, mm. but because Charlie was a non-male body, Payman couldn't manifest fully, and now right. that they have... Now they got Peter's body. Now they got Peter's body, Charlie is free to go into Peter's body and manifest as Payman.
0: Yep. And then, hail Payman, cut to credits. Hail Payman. Hail payment. Hail Payman. Holy smokes. They put a crown on him. They put a Payman. little... A fun little crown, and he... It's just a nudist cult, you know? Yeah, they just want to have naked treehouse time with their, you know,
1: king of hell. And I have to say, the first time I watched this movie, that last scene, I'm like, what in the fuck was this movie? Yep. Because it's not what I thought it was. Yep. Yep.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Cool cults so cults. many cults so aside so moving on to the next segment which is what did you think was the scariest part i'm gonna say right now we're not allowed to say the whole movie because <laughs> <No>. <laughs> otherwise i would pick that as the. Scariest it feels like part. cheating <laughs> yeah it's just like minute one to minute like 207 two hours and seven minutes but what was what was our scariest part of this movie i think for me yeah it's the most horrific part is the shot of charlie's head on the road but the scariest part, the jumpiest part was Annie running at Peter at the very end. Right. After she's been Spider-Mom for a while.
1: Yeah, on first viewing, the scene that made me feel the most scared, I guess, would be the right word. It was it was I was like, oh, I don't know why this is happening is when Annie is hiding up in the corner of Peter's bedroom. Oh, yeah. And it's not the focus of the shot. Because I actually seem to be able to notice those things really well in movies. Mm. So I was waiting for you to react to it and I was like, "Billy, see the thing. I Billy, didn't see, see the, the thing. thing. <laughs> Did you didn't you see the thing because I remember seeing it immediately and then I think why it was so scary for me is that it's scary because you're not expecting Annie to be in the ceiling, <laughs> ceiling top of the walls sticking to the wall like, "Wait, what the fuck is happening?" And here? still dressed like a mom, you know. It's, She's yeah. like wearing a cardigan and like a sweater um, or whatever. And yet and then that's like 30 second scene of Peter just sitting up and not seeing her and looking around and looking outside and not seeing her. And then you see her kind of float away behind him. Kind of like almost crouching tiger, hidden, uh, hidden dragon style. Yeah. It's like, like she's like
0: crawling on her hands and knees, but she's the floating. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I was like, Oh, because then you can just imagine, oh, I wonder if there's someone in the corner of the wall behind me just staring at me right now when I'm talking to all of you, right? Like, it's just like so unnerving. There's no Don't look, though. It's so unnerving to be looked at. (laughs) Oh, hey, David. Yeah. It's just, I I, was like, that was so creepy to me the first time I watched it. Yeah. That scene, that was the worst one. Okay. What about you, Alex?
2: Scariest part? Um, Annie being in the corner was very scary because I didn't see Annie right away, but I did catch on before the shot ended. And I was, oh my God, was she there the whole time? But I would say my first viewing, the scariest scene was the car driving scene because it was Mm. still so in the realm of reality. And then it's so, it's so, it's, there's so much pressure happening because he's rushing to get his sister to the hospital and he's driving so fast and she can't breathe. She's literally choking. Great acting job, by the way. Yeah, she did a wonderful job. She sticks her head out the window and it was probably the most unexpected thing I've seen in a movie in a very, very long time is that, wow, one of these characters that I thought was the main character is dead. And they just killed a kid. They just killed a kid right Mm -hmm. away. And yeah, so the the decapitation telephone
0: pole scene was the scariest for me. It was very scary. That was very... This is the whole... Like,
1: again, it's a cheat to say the Mm -hmm. whole movie. I know this has been a pretty long recording, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't spend a moment or two on the cinematography lighting and pacing of this movie yes please so from the filmic standpoint yeah it it's kind of gets lost because of how good the acting and the narrative is and the storytelling but this is also one of the best lit and color what would be the right colorfied movies you know mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like the like the, the color way palette? The, the way that the red light from the space heater in the treehouse reflects off Peter's eyes when he's looking at it. Oh yeah. It's fucking gorgeous. The blue, the dark blue and the dark red throughout the whole movie on Annie's face is amazing. Yeah. You know? Just and so like how the color affects her face even is one of the things I noticed the most and just the the weird filming styles of the panning across and I and I have to like this is I've never seen this in a movie before. And it probably has existed in movies, but I noticed it for the first time in this one is that. When the plot content ramps up, the movie cinematography pacing stays the same. Yes. So even the scary end, the shots are still kind of slow. Yeah. And the moving is still it's kind still of slow. It's still super tense and building. It's still Peter being moving his head. Our,
0: the, uh, whole list he list came, the whole way he did the whole... great audio. Yeah, like very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> the
1: whole way. So often in these kind of movies... Once the action in the movie or the, the climax of the narrative is coming, yeah. the, the movie itself kind of speeds up. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. This movie doesn't change no. the whole way. It's like
0: this whole movie is in second gear.
1: Yeah. And I was just the like, whole time. How? Yeah. That's amazing. So I don't know what you if you had any other thoughts on cinematography and color. Yeah. I think my favorite part
2: of the technical aspect of the movie was just the set design and mm, how yes. the house itself was one was a miniature, and even outdoor shots of the house looked like a miniature. And All then... the
0: shots looked like they could be dioramas.
2: Yeah, and it, yeah. it works so well because of the actual physical diorama mm-hmm. models in the movie. I, I love those transition pieces where you don't know what you're looking at, yeah. exactly and then maybe it zooms out and oh you're you're looking at an actual diorama that she was working on or mm-hmm. it zooms out and oh no you're in the house itself
0: the first scene the first shot of the movie is the the diorama of the house moving in and then it gets into peter's bedroom and it's not mm-hmm. a doll's house yeah. it's a kid in the bedroom it's a teenage boy's bedroom yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think you said it the best. I can't really add anything. It yeah, the diorama stuff. This movie was so tight and so just so tense the whole time. I loved it. Was it as scary as you thought it was going to be? It was exactly as scary as okay. I thought it was going to be. It was yeah, exactly good. as scared as I was prepped. I'm so glad I watched it. So, should we rate this thing? So was my prediction correct? Yeah, I love That you'd be about scared this. and then you loved love it. Yes. About oh my god. <laughs> I want this to be like a twelve-hour episode. Sorry, yes, but we're not going to because it's getting dark and I have to go home. Ah, ha, so scary. But let's rate this thing. Mm. Who wants to go first with this rating? I'll go first. Alex, take it away. Out of five bird heads. Sure. Out of five bird heads. Out
2: of five bird heads, I would give this movie an easy five bird heads out of five bird. Five heads. out of
0: five.
2: In terms of a horror movie, it was the perfect horror movie. And in terms of a movie, it was. Besides the walnuts and the cake, it was a perfect (laughs) movie. I I have nothing to complain about with this movie. I loved every bit (laughs) of it. I I just think it was great that they treat their audience intelligently, and you kind of... Like I said, I had to go home and explain the editing of Hereditary to me, because I think I got it, but I don't think I got it, and yeah. I, I like the way when... I like it when movies are like that without being too pretentious.
0: In a lesser movie, they would have had a scene with someone chopping them walls, being like, boy, I hope Charlie doesn't need any of these. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, if it was from the 70s, it would have been kind of like, don't you know Charlie's allergic? Come on, she never breaks her EpiPan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luke, what are you giving this movie? Okay, so forget horror. I... I would need to think about this more, but this might—I forgot horror. This might be the best movie made in the last five years that I've oh, seen. Oh, damn! The plot is exciting, tight, and there's a twist. So there's two different ways to watch this movie. The acting is top-notch. Everybody's performance in this movie is great, except even maybe not Joan, but then even Joan is fine. The right? way Joan is yeah. acting is perfect. Yeah, yeah. The the script is incredible. The dialogue is on point. The set. The setting is incre- is beautiful. The cinematography is beautiful. The color is beautiful. And the music is adding all the right emotions at the right time. I don't, e- I don't even mind the walnut and cake part. I don't think there's a single misstep in this whole movie. Yeah. I, I don't. I'd have to watch it again with the most succinct, critical eye mm-hmm. to find any mistakes. But I can't think of any now that I've seen it three times. And... That exhilarates me. <laughs> yeah I'm like, wow. So, uh, and I guess this is what this is the this is the good side of a writer, director, auteur who mm. has full hundred percent creative control over a product because he nailed this. So I'm out of five birdhead peas. I'm going to have to give this full Gregor Mendel. Gregor Mendel is the scientist who discovered genetics. Jesus Christ. That's a deep. That's. So. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> I'm going to give it. No. Uh, <laughs> you give it five. Five. Yeah. yeah this, five. this is, this is, <laughs> in, in all of the respects that make a good movie, this is as close to perfect as you can get.
0: Yeah. I mean, I echo both of your statements. This is the first movie I'm super happy with giving that coveted five bird heads out of five status so many movies have tried for it but hereditary you did it we'll be sending you your trophy in the mail you got a perfect <laughs> score from the nothing to fear team don't you worry folks they're gonna get the recognized. i think people know this is audiences feedback this is a psychological horror that takes you from the very opening scene and it doesn't let you go and even after the credits it's like okay bye it's it's a scary
2: terrifying movie but if you are at all a fan of movies this is a movie you need to watch. It's a good movie.
0: And I would absolutely watch this movie again. It totally transcends the horror genre. Yeah. It's so good. It's 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 this I know that you don't care much for the older movies but I feel like this is how people felt when they saw Exorcist when it came out because yeah, that maybe. was a genre redefining moment mm. and that was the new face of horror and it was so thing like this is I think the 20 the 21st century's Exorcist. Hmm. So far,
2: this is this movie is what got me more into horror movies. Mm-hmm. When I watched it two years ago for the first time, I've I still like I before this podcast I wasn't into horror movies, but for some reason I was. I want to watch Hereditary. I know it's going
1: to be scary. I need lots of friends around yeah. me, but I want to watch this. Well, and it, it was marketed si- really well yeah. too. It was all over people's radars, and you have to watch Hereditary. A brand new in the genre. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah, and
0: just again, if there there are movies that resulted in the the birth of this podcast hereditary is one get out is one the it movies are one stay tuned for a couple episodes from now but those those things where it's okay I'm missing out on pop culture it's not just slasher gore blood fest it's tense thought-provoking intelligent movies and yeah this movie is so good
2: it's like the, it's like the start of the horror movie Renaissance yeah right I don't know I don't know anything about horror movie histories but and if I cl- I dub it the
0: start of the horror movie renaissance. So loud. <laughs> you know what? I'm looking at the peaks. It's not louder than yours. <laughs> yeah, my mic is always super hot. Got hot mics. Shall we cheer something aside from this movie? Again, like what was the scariest part? You're not allowed to pick this movie for your something to cheer. Ah. <laughs> and I want to go last specifically. So. All right. Do you have anything? Or do
2: you uh, want me to go first? Because I have something. Okay, you go first. All right, Alex, is going first. Uh, sure. My something to cheer is something that has given me so much joy this past week. And by the time this episode is out, it will have already happened. November 2nd, this month. Um, yes, yeah, November 2nd. Yeah, okay, perfect. So <laughs> earlier this week, or actually earlier last week, my friend Sam asked me mm. to officiate her and <laughs> her... Beyonce Nick's wedding. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was deeply, deeply honored and very excited to do that. That's so so awesome. I am yeah, officiating their wedding. I had to get like a one day government approval thing, but I'm going to
0: call you Reverend. Reverend? You can put that on your
2: like, Reverend, oh, horrific now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my something to share. I'm really excited about that's this. That's so and awesome. It, it
1: just thinking about it makes me happy. Yeah. Yay. Mm. Luke? I mean, that is much more transcendent than mine is going to be because mine's a little bit inward looking but i but look that's inward great. Uh, i'm just gonna cheer that um, our podcast really true fiction which billy was a recent guest on <laughs> uh, september was our best month by more than double for that's listeners so awesome. which is very exciting because it feels like it, it's part of growth which is always like a nice thing for podcasting so that was a good that was a good feeling to see that's so great days we had we even had one day where we had over 100 downloads in one day which Woo! is like wow well, we never had that before so that's fucking so cool i know so good nice. job david on yeah <laughs> your yeah, subreddit yeah and there's, campaign.
0: there are <laughs> so many episodes of really true fiction that you know not every episode is going to be something you're interested about for sure listener i think there's probably not unless you're like i want to listen to mm-hmm. you know luke and david
1: I don't think that's too common.
0: (laughs) You know, it's like there's there's things where it's like you can pick a movie, you can pick a book. There's
1: an episode for everyone, yeah. Which is really we want to do a swath of styles and genres so that everyone has their own first episode, kind of thing, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. So yeah, that was exciting. Cool. I'm gonna break the rules, but it's my idea for a podcast, so it doesn't I matter. wonder what that could
0: be. So I have kind of two nothing to or something to cheer, which I know I said you weren't allowed to do it last time you had to pick one, but I'm going to break one because one is gonna be the future. Wait, is it
1: something to cheer or let's get excited?
0: <laughs> let's get excited. Yeah. Sorry, that favorite segment. Let's get excited. No, so my my something to cheer for when this podcast comes out. November 2nd is a very important day for me because the the November 1st is my one year anniversary of being on hormone replacement therapy as my transition. So it's very, very meaningful to me. And I'm very happy for all the people who have joined me in my journey, including you lads here. And it's just great to be me. So I'm celebrating that. Milestones, right? <laughs> but my other one for this one is there's a little present here. And I'm sure you've seen this box that I've been I brought here is a little audio. You haven't seen the box. But there's there's just something that. I uh, wonder what it could be. I wonder what it could be. This is a little audio. Whoa, a million
1: dollars, (laughs) Billy! Holy shit! So that's for you. Oh my goodness. And that's for
0: you. And that's for me. And it's coffee mugs with the Nothing to Fear logo on it. And so Mm -hmm. that's my cheer. Yes. That's awesome. We have a merch store. You can go to Tea Public. Who information, made this? This is Tea Public. They just they printed the the picture. I just uploaded the picture designed ah. by our very favorite Katie Rogers, who designed our logo. So that's your shout out. You got it. But she she's she has that. You're
1: being so pushy. I
0: guess <laughs> we, we we uploaded it to our Tea Public store where you can get it and you can get a little coffee mug with another New Fear logo on it.
2: Wait, You got it from Tea Public. Tea Public. Are you sure you didn't get it from Ned Flanders?
1: What? It's a left handed mug. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> In your <It> face, <laughs> righties.
0: <laughs>
1: well, it depends if you want to look at the logo or yeah. if you want to advertise if it out there. If you
0: want to advertise it, you can be like, hey, everyone. I'll advertise it hard. It's, it's That's nothing so to awesome. fear. So, yeah, there you go. I wanted to get Thanks, Billy. a present for you. Thank, Thank you, you for being my co hosts. It's been super fun. 20, 20 episodes down, so many more to come. I can't wait. I'm, yeah, I'm super happy to do this Ooh. podcast with with y'all. So. Good choice for number 20. Yeah, I kind of picked that on purpose. But we have a review as well. And our reviews mostly come from Apple Podcasts. If you want to leave us a review, we really, really appreciate it. It helps us move up in the charts. It helps more people see the podcast. And so thank you for the people who do. And thank you for this week to user North 61 who says five stars i'm hooked this podcast is incredible in so many ways first off the conversation between billy alex and luke has such a great flow to it they're able to feed off each other in such a way that makes me want to keep listening for hours they're analytical in their reviews and don't miss a thing that is not true i would highly 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 recommend this podcast to any horror movie lover as well as folks interested in learning more about the genre before diving in Thank you so much. Mm. That's so great to hear. Thank you, JD
1: North sixty one. See,
0: JD North sixty one. Yeah. So that's so great. I'm so happy. Mm. You can support us with reviews. That helps us out a lot. You can also buy buy some merch on our TeePublic Public store. The link is in our Instagram page, which is Nothing to Fear podcast on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter, Nothing to Fear P one. We've actually started to get a little bit of traffic on there, which is cool. We're up to eleven followers. So. Wow. We're only 9989 away from verified status, so we're ready to go. We we have an email, you can email us nothing to fear podcast at gmail.com if you want to ask us any questions. I would love it if people who have their own somethings to cheer, send us a DM on Instagram, nothing to fear podcast. We'd love to read those out as well. You can also follow myself on Instagram. I'm at Billy by design with our underscores between the words and Billy is spelled with an I E Alex. Thank you so much for writing the theme song for our show and the variations on said theme song <laughs> <laughs> or variation, one variation. It's so great to hear it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to, to you for giving up your time every week and thanks everyone for listening next week. We're going to take it lighter, more comedy. <laughs> Arguably not a horror movie, according to Luke, but we're going to be watching Cabin in the Woods. It's a very pre-Thor, Chris Hemsworth. Is that Joss Whedon as well? I think it's the Joss Whedon. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. That's great. Until then, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Remember, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. Are you throwing a gang sign? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Nobody can see it. He's throwing the shocker now. He's doing it with both hands. Now he's giving us both the finger. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Now he's doing finger guns. It's really upset. Look, Alex is trying to speak.
1: (laughs) Just going to see if you're editing this out or not.